Hello, and welcome to this special and very important episode of our podcast. We would like you to take the time to sit and listen through this. I know it's a lot longer than normal, and it is not our normal content, but it is important that you listen. You'll notice that there's probably a little bit of lost context within this episode. This is due to us originally streaming on Twitch. Beyond that, there are a few audio errors throughout the entirety of the recording. This is due to connections and Discord, and they are also present on the stream. If you would like to have a little more context, you can check the description below the episode to find the link to the highlight of the stream. Thank you for listening. And hello, chat, can you hear me? Who, us? Oh, no, the chat. <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the gods known as chat. Proverbial yes. chat. Oh, uh, are they friends with, uh, what's his name, Brahamut? Is that how you say it? Long may he reign. Peace for everyone. <laughs> I have his rival uh, TMI sitting on my nightstand. So, guys, nice. evil, evil dragon queen. Hello, everybody. I'm not the host. I just do the tech. <laughs> Wait, are there actually people watching us? Yeah. Why? Oh, holy shit, that went up fast. There's uh 15 people watching us. Oh wow. Hello, they didn't everybody. come to listen to me though. But uh, for the recording audience, for the audience that's going to be getting the recording during the normal uh, dustrous release slot, I'm not your DM today. I am here because we have really, really awesome people here to talk to us. And you're going to pay attention and you're going to listen because you do not want your queen to be mad at you. So <laughs> why don't y'all introduce yourselves to both the live and recorded audience? Sure, absolutely. Um, hi, everyone. Um, my name is Jacob. Um, I uh, go by Duval King Jabob uh, on Twitter and Instagram. I'm incredibly excited to uh, be here and uh, chat with uh, all of you um, about uh, you know being a uh, person of color in this really crazy, awesome tabletop RPG community we have uh, on the internet and in real life. Hi, everyone. My name's Eddie. Uh... I've been a tabletop addict for about five years, and I'm really glad to be a part of this meeting. Uh, not cool enough to have any social media presence, but uh, maybe I'll get with Jacob later. We'll change that. <laughs> oh, yeah, we can fix that, man. We can fix that. Uh, hi, guys. My name is Ariel. Um, I, too, am in the tabletop gaming community. Big shocker. Um, I am not on Twitter, as I have been asked a couple of times, I am on Instagram. Uh, my name on there being chaotic neutral hashtags for reasons that would probably become apparent if you looked through any of the posts. Um, and ditto with them. I like that Eddie called this a meeting. Uh, it feels <laughs> quite nice. <laughs> meeting of the minds, I suppose. Well, meeting, podcast. It's all the same thing, really. It's a bunch of people to get in the room together to talk about shit. <laughs> <laughs> and today we are here to talk about your experiences in this world of crazy, crazy dice rolling. 
So where, where should we, uh, where shall we begin? Um, well, begin at the beginning. How did you get into this? Okay. Um, so as with most folks, um, I feel like um, there's always a sort of middle school, uh, you know, short nerd kid story where um, someone talks to you about Dungeons and Dragons and you play it once and, you know, what you realize now 15 years later is that it wasn't that it wasn't fun it's just that you did not have a great dm and uh you know <laughs> so you probably should not have shunned away from it for a you know a very long time as it was uh as i think eighth grade me quoted it stupid um and but, you know ironically i also was um even though my parents did not enjoy this um being the conservative catholics that they are um was part of a um, a werewolf um, vampire, like the vampire werewolf world of darkness, like uh, LARP in like eighth, ninth and 10th grade. Uh, and uh, which with a bunch of adults in this weird like shack, which in hindsight was probably not great, uh, but I did have fun. Um, and then kind of fast forward to now and um, with the kind of advent of critical role and uh, kind of falling in love with that, fell in love with Dungeons and Dragons. And now I'm, Completely obsessed with it now here about three and a half, four years in. And uh, so, yeah, that's my, uh, that's the beginnings, I should say. Uh, my beginnings, my origin story starts at a, uh, while dual enrolled in a tech school, uh, and it was like 300 people. And we had nothing to do for most of the day. And some kid pulled out his third edition D&D book and he's like, check out these cool pictures. We should play this sometime. And I was like, totally, I'm in. And I'm pretty sure we butchered it at the time because we were just really uh, kind of into just the art and whatnot. But uh, years later, a good friend of mine, Daryl, kind of set us up for that. But yeah, good time. I feel like somebody's messing with Eddie. Over there, Kevin or something. It sounds yeah, like somebody's like, <laughs> yeah. Now Eddie's underwater. Eddie's underwater. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so my experiences with gaming go well, tabletop gaming go back, I guess, quite a bit further than that. Um, my parents uh played growing up, um, and they were teenagers when they had myself and my brother, who are named after Dungeons and Dragons characters. Um, my brother uh, was almost named Damien Great Wolf, uh, but he lucked out and and they they, they landed on Devin Gray. Uh, so that I guess is quite a bit better. Um, but so I've I've played most of my life, not too much when I was was much younger because my mom grew up and got different interests. Uh, like a a more regular person than all of us here, I guess. Um, <laughs> and then uh, I would say my real reentry was in high school. I don't remember my dam's name was Stephen Meyer, who is still a good friend to this day. Um, and I would get in trouble for staying out too late, like any bad kid would, hanging out at her friend's house playing D and D past ten o'clock. Um, and I guess I never really stopped again since. So coming into the community, especially when you were young, 
What was that experience like? Did you experience much in the way of racism at the tables early on? Because um, I know my best friend in high school, when I, first time I took her to a D&D meet, it's like I got pulled over to the side and they were like, you brought a black girl to D&D? Black people don't play D&D. It's like, well, actually she does, but you know. But that's like weird. Yeah, I um so I did not have too much, not not in that particular way. So like Steven, for example, um is is not white. He is I believe Brazilian, if I'm remembering correctly right now. Um and we had I'm trying to remember, we had we kind of we, we never had a consistent group, so we had a little bit of a recurring cast of characters. It may have just been the two of us non-white, but he and I were very close. Um the, the way that racism probably prevented itself was the way that I think a lot of people are very familiar with. Um, I grew up out in Jack's Beach. Well, I grew up in Mayport, but I went to high school in Jack's Beach. Um, and it was very, very white. And a part of that, and especially like... Real quick, Ariel. Real quick, Ariel. Yeah. You probably should mention that that's Jack's Beach, Florida. People probably don't know oh, what yeah. Jack's Beach is. Oh, sorry. My bad, my bad. <laughs> yes. Jack's Beach, Florida is a pretty white community. Um out here uh, compared to a lot of the rest of Jacksonville and the kids in the school, like the big thing was you could, you know, you, they'd make racist jokes and things like that. And you either, you had, you know, two options. You could stand up against it, be the only one who's going to say anything, be the angry black girl or whatever. And then they're going to judge you a certain way. Um, especially being in uh, my classes there, I was usually the only, like I was the one they looked at when somebody mentioned like Harriet Tubman or something. Um, so, I definitely, for a while, and I've grown, I think, a lot since then, but I, to an extent, especially from gaming to fit in, I would just, like, I'd let them make the jokes or whatever or make similar jokes back or things like that. Like, there was a lot of, you know, like, if they, like, if Steven, like, make a Black character, make a Hispanic character or whatever, you say all these, you know, things, and he wasn't white either, and I think we both knew it was a little bit performative to do. Um, but that's more how it came up. It wasn't that I wasn't accepted for being black, but it was that I wasn't accepted probably for the whole part of being black. I was accepted as an acceptable black person. Oh, I hear that. I think like, Jacob and I have had long conversations about that being that acceptable black friend in many groups. Or the, the token? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's crazy looking back on it now, and this is something that me and Eddie have discussed at length. But like, if I if I really think about it honestly in my heart, I don't. Th I thought, compliment. Like I, I think I or not. I didn't think it was a compliment. Like I wore it as like a badge of honor, which is like, oh, I'm kind of realizing how toxic that was for me. You know, in hindsight, it's just like mm -hmm. it's you know instead of you know what I think I should have done, which is challenged that and said well i is am i the only one here like where is everybody else like it's not like there's and and like my high school like um was you know i had a graduating class of like 440 i think 40 of us were black but you know i think some of that comes from you know being at a catholic high school but that doesn't that doesn't fucking matter it shouldn't in your you know in your communities and things like that Oh, I don't know if uh, about you, Eddie. Bring up. No, very much the same experiences. Where, like, even when people were not being racist, like, hurtfully racist, right, or stereotyping. One of my most distinct memories is uh, 
I had a teacher in my English class who I wrote a paper about like doing something about uh, like what my summer was like, something very generic and basic. I pretty much told her what my uh, summer was like uh, in this paper. And she was like, oh, this is a really good paper. But, uh, you know, write more about your struggles as, uh, you know, a black person. And I'm like, right here, like we have the same exact summer. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, the schools are so strange in, in aspects like that too I remember when my son was in high school uh, we're Jewish so he actually had a history teacher that when it came time to teach about the Holocaust handed him the book and said you teach the class and got up and walked out wow what it's <laughs> <Wow. laughs> alright Everybody's just looking at him and it's like, I I get so aggravated with these teachers who want to make it somebody else's job to tell the stories. Um, I, and put, put I feel like they the think spot. they're doing, I feel like they think they're doing a good thing oh. by, you know, like, oh, well, how, how, what am I supposed to teach a Jewish kid about this? Like, who, what right do I have? But like, probably like a lot of right as their teacher. Um, right. <laughs> but. Well, you know, and there are some children that can that can stand up and, and take that role and and speak and be comfortable. But most most teenagers I know that's that's not what they want. They don't want that attention, not even a bit. So yeah, teachers, get your shit together. <laughs> um, just in the chat, you know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> Like it's it's yeah. don't don't ask your students to write that paper for you. I, go find an adult to come speak to your class. Yeah, uh, it's 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 odd because it's the same as I feel like any teacher. I feel like every they're all they all are are well-meaning people really trying to help. Um, and they don't realize exactly how much their weird images of what these minorities are is actually affecting. How they perceive them and i don't think even after that happened even after if eddie was like hey i literally live next to this kid we literally we do the same things what are you talking about they don't typically explore what would be a great thing to explore which is how has that otherwise affected how i treat my students how has that otherwise affected how i the things that i don't look at and do look at in each of my students because you're saying you have preconceived biases and you're trying to use them for a positive outcome but it's still a bias and that's that very rarely helps kids who need more individual attention. It's, it's something that, like, it's still what's clear and, and, and it's still a struggle nowadays. And, like, something that I'm really, really, um, very blunt in, in finding against. And, and I posted this um, a little a little earlier today, but, you know, silence is not good enough anymore. Um, and and I get, I get the hesitation. Uh, or like, I don't want to, you know, hurt someone's feelings or, you know, like that. The thing is, is like not saying anything at all actually makes it worse because like you're not even confronting your own like and, and we're all human, like, of course. Right. Like we're not none of us are infallible. Um, so the, <laughs> the song, everybody is a little bit racist <laughs> from Avenue <laughs> comes to mind um, immediately. But we have like the the way that we solve this i think is we have to confront um directly um these problems um, otherwise we're going to go into 
20, 20, 20, 30 situation, I'm having the same problems. And like, even it's funny now, cause like, I think when, um, you, even when you guys hit me up and said, Hey, like, we'd love to have you come on. Like I had to like, think like even my own tables don't have like a lot of diversity, really. Like it's, it's, uh, <laughs> and uh, our, our our friend our friend Avery uh, and our, our friend Ari and then like like I look I think of like the overall roster of like our like group there's still like if you look at from a percentage perspective it's still probably like six or seven percent like am I am I crazy Eddie and Ariel is that like am I overreaching do you think six or seven percent are are black or or mm-hmm. at all um I feel like it's more than that. Uh, I mean, every time I have, I have never played in a game that, of yours that was less than half black. But you made it half black. <laughs> that's the that's the thing. Because like um, the, the game that that comes to mind to me was a game that we played at the and Ken's house, right? And that was like actually like that was the only time there was ever like a like it was fifty like fifty percent, but like majority of my like because um just to give everyone some background a lot of the games that i run are at least until recently have been um at home offline um like eddie's in two of my campaigns one's every week and one's on thir- every other thursday and like it right now like you know if you don't include me the dungeon master if, you know, in in one group eddie's one of two out of six and one of Six of the other. Still not a lot, but it, maybe seven or eight percent is too too low, to say just yeah. from the numbers perspective. But still really low. <laughs> I don't yeah, know it is pretty, especially for the amount of because like our friend group itself is not nearly that low. But I'm saying pretty uh, evenly mixed. Yeah, our friend group is super, but. I would agree with Jacob to say that the number of actual players of color or any other diversity is somewhat on the low side. Like, other than myself, uh, Ariel and our good friend, uh, oh, man, I'm trying to think of people's names. Uh, Ari. Ari. Ari and, uh, Aubrey. Aubrey, right? We don't really have many other players yeah i guess i've it's been one shots a lot for me um with everybody so i can see why i have a mixed like a a misrepresented perspective on that that's okay too right like that because we're talking about it right so like so uh here's a, a here's another example of like like me not kind of looking at it from the outside like um uh one of our mutual friends Brittany, hit me up I was like, hey, like I, I have to, I have to pick your brain about something. And I'm like, what do you, you know, what do you got? And he goes, hey, like, are there? Just a really, and I'm curious to see what you guys think, everyone. Um, is it there are not as many you know, persons of colors that are content creators, or is it that they're just not given the opportunity? And I, I remember, like, I sat back in my chair and I was like, wow, what a really interesting and difficult question. And I then, and, and then I was like. I was like, okay, because she was talking about like, yeah, I, I see, I see them, I buy them, I know their names. So like, I see, like now hiring. You know, see, I'm confused. Like, is there like, is there like a discrimination thing that I don't know about? Like, what's going on? And 
my my point, my counter not counterpoint, but like kind of the point I was making to her was like, I I actually think that you know, like I mean, for example, I work for a Silicon Valley startup that is like, you know, mega, super, super duper white. <laughs> and this is like right after uh, you guys had asked me to come on on, on today, and uh, so I was already like, so my my kind of the, the brain was already thinking about it, um, and because. I'm, you know, kind of making some ways there internally due to that kind of point. I'm trying to expose that as something that we should work on. I think in total, it's about a lack of of exposure. Like there's a Twitter account specifically around promoting, you know, POCs in in, in table in the, in the in tabletop RPGs online. Then, like the more I thought about it, I was like, oh wait, like I'm one of those people. I just, like it didn't even like dawn on me. It's, <laughs> like it's like, oh, I'm a, I'm one of those people that. Are should be that I, that I want to be promoted. Like, oh crap! Like, I'm not even like voting for myself almost. It's the weirdest situation. And uh, and I think the biggest takeaway was like, dude, excuse. And the and the point I'm trying to get to, she was like, yeah, yeah. I'm, that's why I asked you because you're on the front lines of it all. And I'm like, oh right. <laughs> yeah, it it is weird because you you don't consciously think about yourself all the time in those ways. And I think especially because like we were all saying earlier, we spent some of our childhood just kind of not fully being able to embrace it, especially in nerd communities when there weren't very many people and you and go on on Xbox Live or, or PSN without people yelling the N-word and saying all their little racist jokes, doing all their things and everything. And you, you spend a lot of time not fully embracing like exactly what it means to be a black person and things like that and more identifying with your actual interests, which is a really good thing to identify with. Um, but so then when it comes down to the actual, uh, when you're thinking about these people who are affected by it and you're thinking about these people, you know, it's you, but a lot of the time you don't think about how it affects you until someone asks. And otherwise you're always so concerned about how is it affecting everyone else? All the people you love, all your friends, everything like that. I think that's it kind of circles back to the whole point around good stuff we were talking about, uh, at least from my perspective, because literally what, what what I thought, I don't know about you guys, but like, I, you know, it wasn't even like a matter of like, I wanted to, not, you know, ruffle like others and things like that. Like I, I mean, you both know me. I, I have no, issues. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have no issues with, with, with doing and saying that, but, but then, you know, I look at your, you know, and you know, and it's 10 years of me there, like, maybe that wasn't the case. Well, Sean has posted a question over here that evidently came in from chat. Sean, do you want to read the question? I don't have my glasses on. Is it the about asking the student uh, before the lecture? Uh, I guess you can read it. Yeah, you can read it for uh, posterity, so to speak. Oh, yes. Uh, Okay. from Cab Federal, and I hope that's how that's said. I'm sorry if it's not. Do you think it would have been acceptable in that case to ask the student before the lecture to see if they wanted to provide input on the lesson instead of putting them on the spot? Oh, yeah. And uh, shout out to Imran. Uh, we see you. Thanks for coming. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, 100%. Like, it, it, it almost to the point of like it's almost insulting that they didn't do that, like at all, you know? Like, I feel like that is a conversation that 
needs to happen, not even just before the class, before the lecture, like, be like, hey, this is, I'd like to have some of your inputs, uh, and let's kind of talk over what we're going to be going over just to make sure that it, that it aligns with what, I mean, you don't want to mute anyone's story, but you also want to make sure it is topical to whatever it is you're speaking of and that this person has some knowledge or something to contribute to it, you know? Right, because like what what does that blindside like do for anyone? Really? Oh that, for me it would be like causing me mad anxiety and panic and then just like <laughs> I would just be rambling at the mouth. Yeah, like I remember the panic in in history when I would be the only black person. Like I said, they would look my way, you know, they would mention something, they look my way. Um and um I and when I said here at Tubman earlier, like a very specific instance came back to me from my it was either it was like U.S. history, one of those, uh, I don't think it was world history, I think it was U.S. history, and he was talking about the Underground Railroad, um, and we, we started going over it, and he was asking questions, uh, and one of them, I mean, essentially how it got started was, like, do you know what, what's the historical figure who is associated with the Underground Railroad? Um, and nobody, I guess, could maybe remember Harriet Tubman's name or something like that, you know what I mean? But, and, but I knew it. But I did not want to be the one to give that answer. I had no interest in being the only person in this class who knew Harriet Tubman's dang name. Um, so I just kind of sat there quietly and like the anxiety of him looking at, like I'm like waiting for him to look at me. Either I have to lie and say I don't know it or I have to okay. very much acknowledge that I'm the only person in this room who seems to know who the heck Harriet Tubman is. So that's so wild because like, that's that's so crazy because like i i think i because i get it right because like you just got to the point where you're just like really like me like it has to be me again like yeah of course i know who the hell harriet tubman is like of course um i've i've written papers and you know my dad has said stuff and like all this other stuff right like that, that like that. Which I think they had heard about her but just not since like the fourth grade in like black history month or something yeah so so actually so let me ask you this what so we talked about like you know at a high level like oh this is sort of like integration or like that or more diversity when we were younger but like in that specific scenario would you what would you do differently now not like you as a kid but like like if you were the educator or even like the school board from that perspective what would you like to do if I was okay, that, if I was in charge of the school board, that is a, an entire reform question that we would have to talk about for like a very long time. Um, we we have four hours. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, true. Um, but I mean, uh, I mean, as an educator, I would uh, try and understand, or like, I guess, look closer at students um, before ever. Kind of call, like, I feel like you have to notice some people's tension and try and guess why that tension is that and. Know that in a certain situation like this, it's probably not the usual little bit of stage fright. Um, as me, like even if it were me as a kid, but well, not as a kid, but just myself now as the student in that situation, say if it were in some kind of college course, I would probably just say it and honestly say something snarky about how everybody forgot. Um, because I am uh louder now, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so about you, Eddie? 
what I would do, I'd make a terrible teacher because, yeah, I'd be like trying to do a dead poet society. Like, everybody pull out your textbooks. Throw them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd probably be that guy too. I'm too yeah. much of a rock. Uh, yeah, so I really don't have an answer for that question. Uh, I mean, if I, I just think if you if you don't have a lesson plan, you can't expect a child to like fill in the, that gap for you, or just because they might have some heritage there. Now, if a child has like that passion and wants to share, I think as a teacher, you definitely have to be open to that, right? Like, yeah, let's hear your story. Right. But to demand that of a child or like just put that on them. I think that's a, that's a big note. Like even with regardless of being a child of color or anything like. Yeah. Don't be ask. Yeah. And it, and, and, and as, like, as, like I was mentioning earlier, how it might be that they're helping. And this is something important to know for anyone right now. Um, and everything like that is like, don't assume what you're doing is helping if no one has ever told you, if no one from that group has ever told you that it would help. Like I've had a lot of people who lately particularly have met some, have read like some misguided, but like a very intentional, you know, share from like one of their friends or family members. And it, it'll be like, do this and this and this for your black friends. And then like eight minutes later, I have 54 people saying, are you okay? I'm just checking in. I know right now is really hard for you guys and I appreciate it. Um, and I have friends listening right now. So I will say like, oh, I have so many people checking in on me. Uh, thank you. Um, and I will let you know if I need you because you have always made it comfortable for me to reach out. Um, but in general, like if you have a plan and you have an idea you like having somebody who you feel comfortable, like having a person of color who you are close enough to, to be able to ask these questions of in the first place. Um, and if you like to kind of screen them by just having one person to go and check and say, Hey, am I like out of my lane with this? Is this even a good idea? Is this something that I am being totally oblivious? You know, cause I think if any, if you asked any person about, you know, a kid, either another, like either his parents or, another even teacher or anything like that, uh, we'd have very quickly gotten some different advice. Like you, you have to ask. Uh, so I completely agree with, with Cab in the comments or, well, I, I completely say that it would be acceptable to ask and not only acceptable, but it's, it's expected. It was unacceptable to not ask. Sure. Yeah. Just, and what you just brought up is, is, is super relevant to me right now, especially with what I just said earlier around like, you know, you know, speak your truth, say something, like the the other half of it is exactly what happened. Like I got bombarded with you know, not like just like check-ins because that was definitely you know part of it, right? But like, you know, how can I help and things like that? And then like, just I think the what I didn't I didn't realize was like I'm I'm definitely the type of person that like I I'm not good at saying no or or, or chillax or like. Um, which is super ironic because Eddie and Ariel have both yelled at me about this in the past before <laughs> um, that we're talking about it. But, you know, because I, I want, I like, I, I, I do have like high expectations for, for the people that I associate with. And, you know, but I, I, that, that door is still very, and this is something that Eddie and I specifically have, have, have discussed at length that like, just, like, and I, I don't think you'd mind me saying so, Eddie, here, but like, 
Uh, my door is very open, and Eddie's is, I'd, I'd argue, less so. And and I don't know if you want to talk through that or not, but like the uh, that's burned that's burned me a little bit before, actually a lot. <laughs> like I won't share. Yeah. Um, it's burned me a lot, and um, I've learned. But like I I you know I still make the kind of the same mistakes, and so like you know when uh, I kind of very blunt call out turns into just messages. It's it's it's. A little bit to get through, um, but I, I think I think it's worth it because I'd rather that than. Did we lose Jacob? I'm, uh, I'm still here. Oh, hey, you <laughs> cut out after rather that than. Oh, like where did I? I cut out at the. Uh, I was just like I'd, I'd rather that than nothing at all. So was like the end of the point. I was like I was like oh man like I I fucking nailed my <laughs> point y'all. <laughs> No one's saying shit. Oh, <laughs> I'm making oh. them think. <laughs> oh yeah, I get that, and and uh, like even especially actually specifically talking about gaming. Um, uh, uh, Eddie brought up Daryl earlier, and um, I used to date Daryl, and we and he was a DM, and we talk over a lot, a lot of things, and he. He actually came to me on time to have a very specific conversation um, about this. Like he, because he comes from the middle of 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 Oregon, and there are not minorities where he's from. There's like the town minority, you know. Um, so he really didn't have a lot of experience and really didn't even give it much thought before he had come to Florida and started getting to know. Us and like we mentioned earlier, our group is very diverse. So he was approached with all of these different kinds of people and viewpoints and considerations that he had just never even taken into account before. I don't know what this was spurred by. I don't know if one of you guys said anything, Eddie, or if he read something online, but he essentially started asking me. He's like, and he words his questions like in the most matter of fact way, I guess. Um, but he was basically like, hey, is it racist if I'm only describing like the black characters as black? Uh, <laughs> and uh, but that's not a that's not a bad question. It was just like the way we're like I don't remember what I was doing. Uh, nothing related to that. Question that like this is questioning like hey, am I doing this? It's like am I being offensive if I'm doing all these accents? Like if I do a Russian accent <laughs> or a French accent, am I being offensive? I mean. As long as you, you do it in, from a place of respect, like, and you're not, like, choosing, like, the black character to always be the dumb, like, thing, like... Yeah. Just as long as you have, like, diverse characters within a race in and of itself, but I, 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 but I think part of what he was concerned with was he was, like, um, like, as in, like, he would describe five characters and the only race he would give is like, and this one's black, you know, um, <laughs> and have given the race of another character. And it, it's just not something I thought about before because in his town, there really was like one black person. So it made perfect sense, you know? And so then he was like, wait a minute, that could like, I wonder what the, if that's, that's something that would concern my friends. Like he was always trying to improve his DMing and improve, you know, improve it. And he was like, and, and I think it was a good question because I have been in games where the person like unknowingly just like, you can just kind of tell that they haven't really taken any consideration into the minority characters or, or they have this idea of minority. And 
We have no no sociopolitical systems that would explain why minorities are that way or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no reason for them to, you know, be, be like, oh, they're all poor, of course. Like, but why in your world? In our <laughs> world, I know. But if your world is lacking all of these things that our world is lacking, then I actually don't know why it would, would be that way. So, I, like, I think having a reason is really important and things and a lot of people have never really given consideration to it. So I was grateful that he asked the question and we talked about it for a long time. So, I think, historically, uh, the uh, fantasy, high love fantasy genre just doesn't mm-hmm. like readily lend itself to uh, stories of people of color. Not to say that they can't incorporate them, I think just the the blanket vivid image is just your white sh- white shining knight in armor and whatever like whatever your character is. Just the first image you think of usually isn't a person of color, and which is a sad thing because I think we have interesting stories to tell, just as important as uh, anyone else's. You know, oh, Daryl's in the chat. I love that man. Oh, <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm just like, I'm, I'm sick. I'm probably gonna talk about you. So, <laughs> <laughs> but to your point, Eddie, like, do because like, there's been a, a lot of of talk on on on, uh, on Twitter about like, you know, the inherent sort of you know, um, racism around like brow and and path works and things like that. And so, like, is it? A, is it simply like cause to your, your point around like knight in shining armor, you know, golden locks, white, you know, white dude? Like, is it just a matter of like, because like Gary Gygax is a white dude, so like, uh, like was it just like a, a lack of diversity then that we just never caught well, up I, with? No, a lot of it stems from right. We have this uh, these games, right? These tabletop games that really at first I would I would say probably didn't, didn't really resonate too strongly in the black community at first, and then as uh, tabletop culture has got gained more popularity, it's it's spreading to other communities, right? And but the the image of like every, everyone's going to create an image of a their ideal hero, kind of based off the narrative of themselves, right? And because it started in this primarily white community, right? That's what the the flagship image kind of like stayed as, you know. And now it's we have we have to have strong DMs like Daryl, who's like say, who will be able to uh, pretty much be like able to incorporate other visions of what hero heroism looks like. For other people, you know, so it's not just this very static, muted image, you know. <laughs> At least that's how I feel. <laughs> no, I agree with that. I mean, like, and I know there's the moment that all the all the black players D and D know, which is when humans were represented in the player's handbook as just a black woman, um, and it. it it just kind of was, I guess, particularly for me, very important. Um, and it did make me feel some type of way 
I guess, um, at the standard, like this was just the standard human. Like usually if you're going to see anyone, you know, who's, who's black, it's going to be about maybe like a class or anything like that, you know, but the person to represent humanity was a black woman. And like, that's not historically how things are. Um, and like you said, the stories didn't necessarily speak to black Americans and they didn't speak to a lot of different, they were all, they were based on like very particularly Eurocentric kind of classic, uh, adventure ideas. Um, and as much as a lot of the talks typically surround like, well, black people are like the same and there's no reason they wouldn't like it too. There's also the fact that they're not exactly the same. Like everyone's not exactly the same and we come from different cultures and we come from different values maybe and different experiences. And there's all of these kinds of very different experiences. Um, so I don't think it's like a coincidence that it primarily appealed to people from the exact same demographics as Gary Gygax. Sure. So if I can ask, if you've got somebody out there who wants to try and bring that diversity of story and culture into their game, are there uh, books, stories, things that you would recommend them delving into so that they could have a better understanding? Um, particularly things written by Black authors. I don't know if Eddie and Jacob have anything specific for me. Octavia Butler. Octavia Butler is an incredible 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 um author i love her um she is a black uh she makes like science fiction um from, like a very black american perspective and it I loved her since i was a kid um, i do remember being grumpy as a kid that she had to be in the african-american section that straight up sci-fi just has you know there are some black like black uh, movement themes in some of her books, but most of them are just sci-fi centered around black characters. And that's the only difference. And there's no reason that they should be in their own segregated section. Um, but I find that you're writing anything when you're reading anything, um, when you're, when you're writing and you're creating, consuming media, like what it is that you're trying to make tends to make you better at it. Um, which obviously being a DM is you're being, a, you're a creator, you create worlds. Um, so not necessarily reading things written about black people or not even necessarily things with a lot of black characters, but written by white people because they just don't tend to hit. Right. Um, you can very much tell, uh, because yeah, so, yeah. when it's a swing and a miss, woo! <laughs> Ooh, <Woof. it> is. <laughs> I, I actually wanted to, to, cause like the thing that's, I'm not great at consuming media outside of like, comic books and video games <laughs> uh and so i i which is ironic is um and in, in creating but um i actually wanted to shout out a friend of mine by the name of ashley she's uh she's a uh, uh ashley may she's a um a writer and she actually hit me up specifically about something around this and asking about kind of feedback on a piece of art that she was working on for an rpg setting and so she was creating a um a um a deity that was like the patron goddess of um of shipwrights and she wanted to like just say like um, and hey like she's the sort of the modern of like modern civilization and and a bunch of and she gave me a bunch of the backstory and she was really just like is this like like is this good like is like she showed me the drawing she was just like i didn't like you know am i like off by like based off of like coloring and shading and like the thing that was wild about it to me was like she like fucking nailed it. Uh, and I just felt honored that like she even thought to even like ask me. 
So, and she's actually going one further. And the reason why I bring her up is she's actually going to be hiring like specifically persons of color for feedback and sensitivity, like QA and reading to have that dialogue during the creating, the creating process, avoid that later on of like swing and a miss. So that, so like kind of the back end of, of Ariel's point, um, that's, you know, is to involve, you know, people that you're essentially trying to create based off of. Absolutely. I mean, like, and ditto with the teacher thing, ask so many problems would be solved if somebody just asked. Like, I just, I know that, uh, I've sat through so many games over 30 years and so many times they seem to be pulled where people will take what they consider these classic fairy tales or whatever, and they pull them and they use that to kind of create this campaign setting around, but they're always pulling from European stories. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I don't know if you saw in the chat, um, cab said something similar. Um, she or he actually do not know who that is. Uh, basically said, my opinion is that historically stories of fantasy were built mainly around white characters like King Arthur, a knight, Merlin, a wizard, Robin Hood, an archer, and so on. Even Disney uh, comics and other stories aimed towards more white characters have played a part in, <laughs> thank you, Cap, uh, have played a part in framing what the knight in shining armor and hero should be like. It appears we're seeing a sh uh, more of a shift to help with white bias in history. Would you agree? And I would say definitely. Like Black creators are definitely getting a lot more involved from exactly what you were just talking about, about the stories being told from either from white people or based on white people and white stories and things like that. And I know that's, you know, it, it's really hard to know what stories are from another culture and which ones feel right. If you're not a part of that culture, like that's kind of how you get things like the big bang theory, where a bunch of people who have met a nerd decide to make a show about nerds. Uh, <laughs> Holy act with that show. That's how all my, <laughs> all my friends are nuclear physicists. Yeah, of course. It was on so the side. <laughs> uh, uh, so I, I definitely think there has been a shift, but I think it's good to ask for that exact reason. People, because you might read something and think, oh, this, this, wow, this must be like what it's, what they're going through. I got to believe what I read. And then, Meanwhile, people from the community read it and they're like, oh my God, what? Are you kidding me? No, I think <laughs> question. Uh, I also completely agree with Cap Federal. Uh, yeah, a lot of these stories have their origin in like Eastern European lore. Uh, but there does seem to be a a shift towards a more globally like pulling from other sources. Like if you go through the fifth editions play at Heron book, they do a pretty good job like pulling names and stuff through like different uh ethnicities and like I don't know. Like I feel like they're they're just more access out there. They they really des designed a game that could be played and enjoyed by all and like where you could really uh picture yourself as the hero. Mm -hmm. 
And then I have to ask too, because I know there's been a couple of times I've done interviews with people. And then afterwards, I get a shit ton of messages in my inbox that goes, hey, do you want to come be our Jewish person? Or, hey, do you want to come be our bisexual person? And I go, they make me cringe. It makes me cringe so bad. Um, But I hear a lot of people say at the same time, I want to include more people at my table. How do I go about inviting them and letting them know that I, I'm doing this because I want to be inclusive without it feeling like I want them to be just this token player? Uh, for me, for starters, it's having more than one. Um, it's so impossible for one person to speak for an entire group. It's it's so difficult. And I think that the people who think that they can do that are probably like not the best choice to do it then. Uh, right. Because I don't think, yeah, like, I don't think anyone who thinks that one person can speak for them could properly represent the diversity, you know, with, within the group. So for one, one step for me is asking. I mean, I'm sorry, asking a, a like a diverse group. Again, like I said earlier, diverse within that group. Uh, so for me, it, I feel like to anyone to play a game specifically based off their race or uh, anything like that, it, like, that's, that's not a great way to have a fun time with friends, right? Like, <laughs> This is a great game. You want you don't want to like overly complicate it, like to push an agenda. Like if you have a friend of a person of color who like has an interest in this, like, hey, you want to play with us? I think that's as simple as as it needs to be. Like, I'm like anyone else. Games to appease. Like, I wanna, I wanna sue some guilt that I have that you know that. We need to make things more accessible to other people. That yes, we do need to make things more accessible, but you shouldn't create a game around that. You know, right? It, my mild counterpoint to that is that Jacob wants to do an all girls game. Uh, I was just about to say that. <laughs> so long, Jacob won't let me. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like go, yeah. Go, sorry, go ahead. Errol. I was just gonna say, and he did it with you know a group, and they had. An absolute blast um and i don't feel like there was anything wrong and you know with with saying like i want girls for this game now when it's i want a girl for this game like okay that's a little i don't know that puts me off i guess right oh. and it's about it's, it's singling it out versus creating a a space for around and it's something that i've really learned lately is and kind of didn't really value initially was 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 safety so like or just like the idea that like um i recognized that someone at my table was uncomfortable until and, and i didn't realize it until you know much much later um and and so it and and then like and then i realized i'm like of all these dudes but and I, I I love my 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 girls too, and you know they want to play RPGs too. So like, let's just create space. And like, and I remember thinking about it at the time, and thinking, you know, even if is is this too much? Like, am I going a step too far? And uh, but I felt like, you know, especially the, the the girls that I reached out to were like, I was in a position where they they trusted me, and so like it was. You know, worthy of of taking you know 
the time to reach out and say, Hey, like, you know, cause it also it definitely made it easier in the fact that like majority of them had already kind of said they wanted to play a game and didn't really have like a space to do it. And so like, it was really easy for me to do that. And so like the same goes with like, you know, creating. And I think that, you know, as long as you're not singling and kind of to go back on the token point being like, all right, well, I've got one spot left and I don't have any black people. You're up kid. Uh, would not be great. <laughs> um, <laughs> would not be, would not be awesome. But the thing is, is like, Think about it back in the day in the early 90s when that was the way that you chose like sports teams in some cases, right? Like, well, the black guy shoots higher than everybody else, so he has to go first. Um, and then, you know, you fill out the rest with your friends, right? But you got to get that black guy first. So it's, it works the same which, way. Which especially as like a black nerd for that one. And I was um, I was like 5'8 in the fifth grade and 5'10 by the seventh grade. Uh, so also the tallest person at the school. Um, being a black nerd and having all the nerdy friends my nerds got picked last. So I would do like this sad little tall giant black woman saunter up away from all my friends when I, cause I, yeah, you're right. Inevitably get picked first. I just kind of have to stand there and that sucked. I just want to say that you just gave me a, a bad memory flashback. <laughs> Sean has posted another question here. Um, if somebody wants to read that, uh, Sean, Eddie, right, you guys, that's a different problem. Have any <laughs> a DM misstep in their approaching or their approach inviting you to running a game? Uh, I've only really played with like really close friends, so. It, it's never, when you invite a friend to play over, it's never a misstep, in my opinion. So, I can't really say that I have. Uh, I kind of have the I, same experience that Eddie does, but I'm, I'm yeah, but Ariel sounds like you have something else. No, I was going to say, I've, I haven't had a, a, a step in being invited to a game, um, and there's there's always the, the people like who you can kind of tell they're inviting you as a girl because they're you know trying to flirt with you there or something you kind of get that vibe and just don't go to that but as far as running a game i would go back to what i was talking about earlier with my very first dm where like you know little racist jokes here and there and whatever and it would you know those kinds of ones that, that an edgy 15 year old tells uh and it all feels okay like i, I would say that's the biggest misstep in running i've never had I've definitely heard horror stories. The biggest horror stories I've heard are that I feel um, white DMs tend to to try and be very like white nerds tend to really like Asian cultures, and so they, be, they always try to include Asian cultures. Like, I think this one's cool and this one's cool, um, and kind of they do skip out on like all a lot of really amazing like different Black and African cultures around the world, which really sucks. You should look into those if you want some really cool settings. Um, but when you do them, don't do how people do for Asian cultures. Um, those are the biggest horror stories I hear. It's the strangest, most stereotyped things. I am not even going to play around with the accents that they think it's cool to do and the oh random God. words they'll name. Oh my gosh. That's terrible. Actually, you know, I will I will say a, a, D, a, a DM misstep that I almost made um, was, so actually it was around this, uh, you know, 80s only campaign and had introduced this NPC that I thought it would be 
really interesting because like the these particular characters were um particularly assertive um and it was a lot of fun to play off of and and in some cases um uh, against um they they uh so I had this character in mind that was kind of a bit of a um not a ladies man but you know um definitely was very charismatic and I thought it would be interesting to you know essentially hit on one of them and um it worked out really really what like really well and it's and, and it played well but like uh, the next day I thought about it and I was like oh man I sh- I really should have cleared this ahead of time um, because I, you know, and that, that's is where the safety tools is really, really important um, in kind of getting ahead of those things and, and kind of discussing someone's, you know, triggers are and things like that. And fortunately, you know, I reached out to that particular person privately and, and was totally, totally cool with it. But um, and, and, and since it's, it's since then, it's gone completely ridiculously wild. And it, I think it's gone incredibly well. But like that was a, a very huge mistake on my part that i've absolutely taken a learning from and you chose and you went and you and you spoke with the person which is always good but yeah i mean those kinds of things like it could go very well and especially with your when you're with a good you know a group of friends who you you feel that you know pretty well it can typically go well but that's a good example of why it is good to ask especially if you're going to do something traumatic and i think i was reading on reddit not that long ago um about something similar like that it wasn't it wasn't even speaking about their trauma but it was they, they were basically speaking about how cringy their dm was and they would use something like rape kind of cavalierly um you know in this way where it's like listen you're you don't know who you're playing with and like they're i we understand these bad things but when there's like we understand it's like in the world bad things happen and in in in, in your world that you've created is just it's another world um when you go into any kind of graphic detail, especially for shock value and things like that, that's something that you, you're really going to want to clear with your players, even if, you know, if it's not about it's not about being a person of color or anything, um, but it's just another way that you can can really get to people and you can really get under their skin. Sure. And I think that's the thing that's really that makes tabletop RPGs and, you know, D&D's my, you know, bread and butter and my adulterated love. Um that is really special about it but also like this is why these things are important is because like it isn't just your your characters experiencing this it's you it's these are because i was i remember we were out at a bar somewhere like we (laughs) some of our friends like like uh when we'll we'll, when we'll go out sometimes we'll be like you guys can't talk about dnd tonight oh my god shut up um so definitely always happen (laughs) especially me and eddie because we play a lot together and so we'll be like hey like oh, oh my god like this was like so fun and, da, 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 and remember when this happened and ah and, and and like everyone just be like oh my god shut up but like that's because they were real real memories for us it's, it's a wrestling term it's still real to me damn it um it's it's true you know yeah. um all right we got another question up Jacob, you want to take that one? Sure. Uh, Desh, who is Brittany, by the way. Hi, Brittany. I love you. That's, right. my, that's my that's my sister. We have critical role tattoos together. It's great. Brett. Hi, Brittany. <laughs> How do you feel about a non-person of color playing a, 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 
pock of color uh and things such as D. Um this is a really awesome question and it's something that I have absolutely thought a, actually a, a good bit about and um I am a hundred and fifty thousand percent on board with it. Um but you know I think it's one of those like you know, what are you trying to um accomplish? I think there's a an absolute amazing opportunity to tell some really, really cool stories um uh, to give you an example um i um played a female character for the uh uh for the first time recently i really wanted to because you know I've, i'm never going to <laughs> uh ever be you know in that position and i wanted to which i know sounds weird but bear with me it's like man like you know Typically, like you know, D backstories are very tragic and things like that. But I'm like, well, what if she's a a mom of triplets and uh, a happy husband, and but she's you know getting up there in age and she wants to go on like one last adventure? And I was like, man, like what a what a cool opportunity to tell a different story because like I'm very much the uh, chaotic good swashbuckling type. Like that's my that's my know uh get my hands dirty you know swing swords and things like that that's my bread and butter so like let's switch it up and so i think you know that's a, a really good opportunity um you know and and certainly uh, you know as always ask ask questions uh i i agree uh i think as long as you're not trying to make a character of a person like uh, be respectful it's the same with like doing accents and whatnot if you, you do it respectfully uh, and ask questions and be open to, you know, like the sensitivity of others, I think that's a really cool thing. Uh, I think, honestly, it's a really great way to kind of develop empathy for a person outside of your your own uh, experiences. Like... If you really try to dive into the character, like, who is this person? What kind of struggles have they had? What makes them this way? Like, honestly, I've always thought playing different types of characters allows you to really, like, jump into that mindset as best as one can without really... I don't think we'll ever fully have the experiences... Like, I will never have the experiences of uh, someone who has a different sexuality than myself, right? But I can empathize to a degree. Sure. This actually brings it back around safety tools as well, because like a good example of this um, is I was planning on having a pretty, a fairly restricted race situation in a, in a world I was building. And um, as there was some, because um, the, the races that weren't available, there was going to be a kind of a tie-in to um, a bit of, uh, bias and, and, and racism and a story that I wanted to tell. And then in the middle of the safety tools, like you know, no racism was brought up. And so I was like, all right, well, that's gotta go. Right? And so like, yeah, that's, a, that's, you know, I'll have to you know, put a pin in that and that's a story I'll, I'll tell another time, but like, that's also something to keep in mind. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, I, I have, I can have some mixed feelings like specifically because, so like you said, you mentioned, you know, we'll have certain scenarios in your world based around it. Um, I don't mind if someone who's not a person of color is playing one, uh, but if it has nothing to do with the world, like if it's not a world where any of, of inter human kind of racism even exists, 
I am a little bit like, why? Why? Like, I guess it does kind of make me curious. And I would probably, I would probably ask, um, that person, like, yeah, like for what reason? And like, I think if I ever have that asked it, it's like, cause I wanted like this cool hairstyle. I'm like, oh yeah, no, I actually totally get that. Um, (laughs) I view that as a perfectly, yeah. Like I want Afro puffs or whatever as my hairstyle. And it'd be weird if I wasn't black and I had Afro puffs, (laughs) you know, Uh, The logic That's, is sound. It I, really I, is, you know. Everybody use their character based on their hairstyles. I do. Like, <laughs> isn't that just a thing you do? I definitely forget sometimes what ha- what, what what hair I have sometimes. <laughs> Same. Like, you like one day what my character looks like, and tomorrow he'll have a totally different look. Oh my god, I totally blindsided Eddie one time with that question. Because <laughs> we had a new player, and so I wanted to like let everyone know like what everybody looked like, and he forgot what his own character looked like. Uh, I think that was me when I had joined. Oh, was you? Because we had been playing, you know, a year and a half long campaign at that point, and everyone was kind of had a guest spot, and uh, and I, I remember because I, I will admit I, it was it was super super you know awful of me uh, to troll the rest of the, the 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 players, but I absolutely knew that that was going to happen, and I did not warn them ahead of time, and it was really fucking. <laughs> Good though. Don't, like that. don't don't feel bad though, Eddie, because like Sean does this thing where he's like. Well, you decide what the NPCs from your backstory looks like, and I'll send him a detailed list. And then when we start playing, he describes somebody totally different <laughs> every single time. Our, um, one of one of um, Eddie's isms I love so much is when he forgets the accent his character is in the middle of a session. <gasps> yes. One of my favorite fucking things ever. Uh, <laughs> it's just great. Sorry. Sometimes I like switch into like different characters. Like, yeah. uh, you'll go from like a goofball to like a noble. Well, I mean, people have different sides to their personality. Maybe he's both. Yeah, or maybe he has a cold that day. That's actually an excuse that you use one time. <laughs> Paradox has a cold this day, so he doesn't have. His good. voice is so hard to do. It's too high. His voice. Like, that's the hardest yeah. voice I, I've done. Yeah. Yeah. Give, give it a give it a whirl for the for the people at home. I don't like that. Don't put me on spot like that. This is too late. <laughs> too late. Okay. I already did it. <laughs> and then you broke up. <laughs> Eddie Daryl says you're the Johnny Depp of D and D characters. Yeah. You are fuzzy. We're underwater again, my dude. My voice. Come back. Come back to us, Eddie. It's <laughs> just fun in there. Like, are you, are you in, like, for a second there, I thought you were an Aboleth. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're good now. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened. That sounds like what again? What? <laughs> 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 
Our next sounds like what again, Eddie? Um, we sound. Oh no! <laughs> gonna cut. Gotta be kidding me, really? Oh, it's too good. Not like my parents' voice. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! That was, that was too good. <laughs> Eddie, uh, he does do a do a good goat. Yes, I agree with Daryl. Eddie is actually not only is he the Johnny Depp of D and D characters. I've often called him the Sam Regal of my D and D campaigns. He's always <laughs> doing something absolutely batshit insane to uh, shock me and make yeah, me like want- cutting off my own hand, or you know. Oh my god! Yeah, I was not ready for that. Not at all. I mean, Eddie is the one who got you killed because he punched that dragon in the yeah, face in Daryl's tell, campaign. Let's tell that story for sure. Uh, that I'm sorry that it got you killed, but how dare that dragon just demand that he be a the star in our all all bard campaign? <laughs> <laughs> we are gonna have a chromatic dragon to ride to to fly us down when he grew up. He was gonna be nice. I'm gonna lie, I'm still, I'm still really fucking mad about it. <laughs> All he had to do is promise that he would not upstage me. Alright, so for those of you out there that have played Sunless Citadel, or if you're going to play Sunless Citadel, spoilers. Um, you should have played it already. It's been out forever. Give me a break. So, near the, near the end of the first portion, uh, or actually near the end of, the, yeah, the about halfway through Sunless Citadel, you counter with your, you know, level, what was it, two or three, in our case, Bard Troop, uh, we uh, encountered this white dragon wormling uh, on top of a, uh, a bed of gold. And uh, we initially did battle with it, and it did not go well at all. Um, and I think, it, I think someone was unconscious, or maybe I was unconscious, and then I, got, like, I, was, I had like two hit points or something. Yeah, a lot of and, our party went down. Yeah, it was really bad. Um, I thought we were gonna wipe. I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, and, and I'd never, I'd never had a character death before. I made the mistake of telling everyone this. So, uh, and so, the combination of me and Eddie's characters, of course, you know, we're all bards, so we're all charismatic, and we essentially talk him off the ledge, and we talk him into not only not killing all of us, essentially being our like entrance to like our bard like our, our um especially would ride in like to our our concerts on a white dragon um wormling at the time yeah it's a really epic scene it was like i was like oh my god like i can't wait for this to happen and then, like i real. was like so i made a mistake and like i like the only time i've like i've only only time i let my guard down that entire campaign um, and I was like, okay, whew, okay, we made it. And Eddie's character is like, right, one more thing. What <laughs> was his voice? My character was ultra vain, like yes. the most vain person you could have. And he could not let any other bard in the group be like more. Like he was the lead singer of the group, right? He, was he, the, he, my, he just called himself the lead singer. Because right, I was very, singer. I was definitely the lead singer, and my character fucking hated Eddie's. Uh, like, like, in a good, functional way. You know? Anyway, the dragon 
I, I made the dragon swear that, uh, you know, that he would not take any of the attention away from me, and he would not agree to it. So I punched him, and then... Eddie Belith, oh my god, that is so awesome! <laughs> Eddie, are you in the Twitch stream? Yes! <laughs> Eddie, are you watching the Twitch stream? You need to I love it. Uh, roll initiative, everybody, we're dead. <laughs> <laughs> You're so dead. That's how they killed Jacob. Oh my god, I wish. I would rather it be a fucking Avalith, not a fucking white dragon worm like a level two. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, he essentially did not agree, and so <laughs> and he punched the dragon in the face. <laughs> it responded in kind by breath weaponing me, breath weaponing me to oblivion. So you want to your death, you get to blame on him. Yes, I do. <laughs> it's fine, though. I killed his goat. <laughs> it's like to say, going forward into that story, that's how my character became the lead singer of the Mark campaign. <laughs> <laughs> and I was dead, right? This is very, very true. Fuck fucking shit. That's I can't. I can't really say anything because uh, I killed Sean's character. Sean's my husband, and I killed his characters in my campaign. So, yeah, it's perfect. It's just, I, I think it it's just healthy. Yeah, it's well, just it, healthy. You don't need to fight. It's better to kill his characters than to smother him with a pillow while he sleeps. This is true. I find. I think that's a, this that's is good. a very healthy habit. <laughs> As far as killing killing Eddie's goat, so uh, <laughs> Zeke and Zed. So Zeke was Eddie's character, or is Eddie's character? He's alive still. Uh, Zed will get back to. So Zed is is, is um or uh in the, for the the Greenhorns, Greenhorns, and uh so they were as you do a little bit of a dungeon crawl and a uh, a swamp and um. I'm not sure who who it was that got a bit careless in exactly uh search for traps. Um I'm trying to remember who it was. Well we were so it was the group and then Jared and I were trying to be sneaky and like steal money from the group, right? And treasure. So of course we see a a treasure chest and uh Beforehand, uh, Jared was like, we had encountered a couple other chests and he was opening them up. And I saw, I, I see one of them like, all right, this is my, my time to open up a chest, right? And I get stopped. The other group that we were trying to be sneaky from kind of stops us and they're like, well, we should do this all stealthily or like try to pick a lock. And my character comes in with all the bravado and like, nah, this is all mine and tries to open it. And of course, bomb. <laughs> Yep, it's it was a, it was it was a fireball, <laughs> and his one hit point goat was right there, and the chance. Yeah, I had it coming. Yeah, yeah you did because I was like, I was looking at my sheet, and I was like, oh boy, this is going to be fucking hilarious and terrible, and we'll see where it goes. And it, it did create one of the best moments of the campaign, though. I'm oh, yeah. Very really proud of. Turning point for the character. 
Like, pretty much my character found God in that moment where his best friend died. And he begged with God to bring him back. Yep, yep. This praised. Silver Row 1 is Mr. Sina Anderson, who would be, I collectively call the Queen of Hugs and I DM Senpai. Because I think the DM. Yes, he is. Uh, learned a lot from him. He is fantastic. Yes. I actually just got a notification about an hour ago um, because we had a our every other Thursday when you guys did not have your campaign, I had a campaign with Dean and Allie and Denise and Jack, um, which was our Disney campaign. That would have been the night. We had to stop quite a while ago because I moved to night shifts at like moved to night shifts. We were thinking about trying to move it around or taking a, a hiatus or um or just like having everyone play on without me since I didn't know how long I would be doing nights. And then I everything kind of went crazy anyway and the, and I couldn't play anyway. Uh I never canceled the alarm for it. So I get it every two weeks, the notification that I cannot go. I think scheduling is the death of so many games. Oh my god. So true. It's the worst. Shaw, when are you going to win that lottery so you can buy that castle? Right? Yeah. And we could all live there. Yeah, yeah. y'all are all coming. Y'all moving in, right? I mean, of course. Uh, <laughs> can somebody rig it for me? That'll make it easier. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Got off topic, but that's what people who play D and D do uh, do whenever they're together. Is off topic and talk about here. Oh yeah, games. we moved every week to record, and the first uh, at least good thirty minutes that we're supposed to be playing is all about uh, the players trying to break Sean, as they call it, because he'll get to laughing so hard he can't breathe and he'll fall out of his chair. Good. <laughs> the best feeling. Like, so, like, like, that's that's what we're dedicated to. That's the only reason we podcast is so we can do that. I love it. That's very much my play style. It can get on people's nerves. That's actually something I loved about about the the Disney campaign with with seeing in them is Mac was very very story oriented. So he and Scene would be in the corner doing story stuff because our party always split up and we weren't metagaming and listening at all because uh, myself, Ali, and Denise would just be full social mode like within the game but just messing around chatting you know all that kind of stuff and it annoys a lot of people because if you're in the wrong kind of game it takes a lot of time away uh like my favorite thing is whoever's not actively doing whatever's going on is usually in the chat posting memes about whatever's happening so John's sitting there trying to be real serious and DM it, and he'll look over at the chat and just lose it. And it's the best thing ever. So here's a question for you guys. As other players of character or color, uh, what inspires like you, your characters? Like, How do you shape and mold them in conception? Oh, man. What a great question. I've, I've thought about that specific question a, a lot. Um, I, I often try to think about like, like who they are before 
you know, race class background. And so like, you know, it's, it's hard. Cause like, so for example, I'm about to, um, in, um, a pain, um, here in, in a little bit. And I, I remember thinking like, oh, man, I don't, I don't, I don't want to like hundred percent, like, you know, go and dive into like everything that's going on in, in our world right now as part of that, because like, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm trying to be, you know, in this world but then like the more i thought about it the less i felt that way and so like it was like starting with what story do i want to tell um today or this campaign with this person and then and how does that relate to you know the world that the dm has built and and how can i you know make sure that i'm at, i as a player am invested and um how how do i interact with this world to, you know, do because the way I look at it is very different now that I've been DMing for a couple of years. Cause typically it was like, you know, pop in, um, in my backstory, a page and a half at most maybe, um, and go and that, but now I'm just like, fuck is this person and why are they doing what they're doing? Why do they feel the way that they feel? And how can I tap into that? So I really dive into that. I am very background heavy and it never, it almost never actually comes up. Like my favorite thing about character creation is where that person came from. Um, and I do, I do ask a lot about the world and especially if they're talking so much with Daryl about it and getting like a much bigger appreciation for the amount of time and effort that goes into I, I feel like I remembering this wrong, but he had like an, an acronym uh, that I believe was sperm, um, which was like social, political, economic, religious, and military. Um, I'm pretty sure that's what it was uh, to kind of create these really complex systems. <laughs> Thanks, Daryl. Uh, to create these really complex systems in his worlds. Um, and so I really enjoyed creating a character who would make sense in those worlds and things like that. But it, it, I spent 99% of my character time doing that. The rest, I actually very rarely invested in, um, I could seriously rando roll everything else. Um, but everything else is ultimately what ends up mattering. Um, the looks of my characters really don't play much of a part. I've, I've never been like a very aesthetic person to too much. Um, so it'll look like somebody I saw on TV or like ever since I was a kid, I've just imagined every book character is me because one of the first novels that I read was Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone and the way they described Hermione with like her curly hair and buck teeth and everything and like how she was like a smart ass and all that was very me in school. Um, that was a character I liked a lot. I started picturing her as me and then everyone else is just also me uh, now, I guess. Um, You're Ron Weasley. <laughs> oh, I'm yes. I mean, I'm everyone. Like it'll be like with red hair or whatever. Like we said, hair plays a lot. Hair goes into it, but yeah, I don't know if that's just a, a a female thing or what. But the hair is important. Yeah, it is. Like they'll laugh because I'll say, they'll say create a character, and I always give them reference photos. And there's hairstyles all over the place. And Sean's like, "What the fuck." <laughs> I don't know it's it's cool and like 
all the different like worlds and things you see, like we, you know, the, the, the hairstyles are like such a big differentiator between different groups and they'll have, you know, this group has like hair and they all have that exact same color hair. These ones all have like hair, super white, like the moon or something. And like, in like hunger games, you know, you go to the Capitol and everybody's got all these wacky hairstyles. Like it's a whole, it's just a thing everywhere. Anime characters, you identify them by their hairstyle. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Cause like, especially because Ariel in real life hairstyle changes like every 24 hours. So it's really <laughs> dope. That's true. <laughs> Cause like, you know, yesterday it was like a black, black wig. And then like, I think sneeze and it was a red wig. And then <laughs> <laughs> I ain't got no room to talk. I got a cabinet over there full of wigs. Dude, yeah, mine are all like draped over a printer right now because I don't have anywhere to put them. So I can't be good. But, you know, it's easier. And I work at a hospital, so I can leave my hair and braids, put on a wig, take it off when I get home, and everything, and keep everything very separate. Um, that I'm just being safe. So it, it's good. But I, I, I'd be lying if I said it didn't change all the time before that, too. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> Whatever, man. It's just laziness on my part. It's easier to keep my hair really short and then just put a wig on. Yeah, a lot of that. So my hair is pretty long, actually, um, but it's a big fro. Uh, which I guess we can get back on topic with that one because that is a topic, isn't it? Um, so growing up, I pretty much always straightened my hair. I was like an emo kid. I'd straighten it, bleach the back, put one color over the whole thing so it was like dark in the front, bright in the black back, spike it up, and I fried the absolute shit out of it. Um, <laughs> fried the shit out of it. Uh, so I, and I kind of kept it, kind of kept straightening it until, I'm going to say it was like 2013. Um, I don't know why, but I just kind of stopped straightening it but it looked like absolute shit it couldn't curl up or anything anymore and so i buzzed it all off i just shaved the head because there's nothing you can do you have to do a big chop um and i haven't straightened it since but it turns out like a i spent the first 20 years of my life not learning to take care of hair like mine uh because i would just straighten it um and then b it's even if you know how to take care of it it takes freaking forever uh, it's so much easier to put it in braids and put it up. And I'll usually like, I'll go a couple months where I wear it out for a while and then it starts getting a little bit too tangled. And then I spend like four days detangling it and then I put it in braids and then I, yeah, it goes under wigs and everything again, or I'll put a weave in or anything where it can stay in braids. And I'm not taking care of it. <laughs> yes, I did try to teach Brittany to put on a wig once, I believe for her Hunger Games. Cosplay at Dragon How did that how did that go? It was on her head. There's a couple questions in the chat. Oh so, um we get to Brittany's question about Laura Bailey. Laura Bailey. Um so uh question is we all know, love and adore America's sweetheart, Laura Bailey. Laura Bailey. Uh mm -hmm. she's She's the voice actress for Nadine Ross in Uncharted. Uh, one, how do you feel about a white person playing this role? And two, does she get a pass as a name in uh, in voiceover? This is a really, really good question because I know, like on the surface, is it's incredibly controversial. Um, example of this, I think, um, a little more recently, um, is around um, 
remember early on in the first trailers of Final Fantasy VII Remake, um, and I also felt this way that um, Garrett Wallace, who is you know very clearly a very large black dude, sounded like a white dude trying to be a black dude. And I remember feeling very strongly about this. And then, you know, of course, I dug into it. And of course, guess what? He's played by a black dude. And then <laughs> the final, the final, you know, cut of it, it sounds perfectly fine. And he's like, in my opinion, the best acted character in that game. And so I, I like, it, this is worse this way, especially like with like anime and the, like, and the fact that like I watched, um, typically watch Japanese subs over, over dubs is like more about the performance. And as long as it's very like rich and real that it, it matters, it doesn't matter too much to me. As long as that person is really, you know, having into who this character is like, like if just pretending to be a caricature of a black, of a black person, then I'm going to call that shit out fucking point blank um as soon as possible because i ain't got time for that shit my two cents yeah i can agree but i i have a little bit more mixed feelings um because like we were talking about earlier there's really not a lot of representation um and there are not as many jobs that are really out there for people of color in general um so it only and so far as a response to that, I, I, I feel uneasy about it um, because that's, you know, there's not, like I said, there's not that many jobs. So that's one less that they could possibly have. Do I care, do I care inherently? Like if we're, we're outside of that economic situation, I would be like, yeah, I don't, I don't care. I don't think she did a bad job. Um, like you said, it's really about the performance. Um, so I think the game itself doesn't suffer anything like that but the i think industry continues to suffer by not giving those opportunities to black actors or actors you know of of more varied types as i understand it uh the voice actor community is a very small pool anyway right like I think there's like maybe 20 good voice actors in the world and they all get the same role, you know? So mm -hmm. I, I, I think, I mean, I would not put it all like the responsibility on Laura Bailey. I think she does a phenomenal job. I think there just needs to be more room made for, uh, people of color to play, like give those opportunities to people of color, you know? And I think that's a more, uh, on the voice acting industry, like there needs to just be more room carved out for other people. But as far as her taking sole responsibility, I don't think that that's really on her. I think she was given a job and she did it to, she did it respectfully and well. And that's it. No, you know? I didn't even, I didn't even consider the, the zooming out. I'm glad you both said that because I didn't even consider the fact that like, yeah, like it's 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 not even like necessarily about about her. Like, of course she she did a great job, but like, you know, if if the the call and I think actually goes right directly back to our our, our discussion earlier about you know about POCs and TTRPG community. I think it works the same way in, in the you know VA community as well, right? Like, if you zoom out and you know, you'll probably find some fucking badass you know 
persons of color voice acting now would that mean that laura bailey wouldn't get the call from that perspective you know who knows but you know, and obviously it's certainly possible that you know the truck man and the uncharted folks did their due diligence who the who the hell knows but it's certainly absolutely worth calling out and discussing Does the the lack of available jobs, does that have a huge influence on what your community thinks about when they're choosing careers, uh, when, when they're choosing their college degrees? How does that play in? I mean, it definitely makes it like harder. You have a, a very com- small market and it makes it hyper competitive. Uh, and if you're like really trying to get in there, right? It, it, it is at times, I feel like it has to be a little bit discouraging knowing that there's not like, you're not going to be getting the callbacks as much as a white voice actress might because, you know, that's, they've already broken the mold, you know? I'm just wondering how much talent we miss out on again uh, across all career fields because somebody looks at it and says, I would love to do that, but there's not a place for me and I have to make a living. This is a a specifically interesting question. It's funny because Brittany's calling out um, is being a super example of this because like current my current career right now would have never found me ever. Um, I I had to kick their door in, and it's, and it's not even like it's the fact that it's a you know at the time a twenty six person startup in Silicon Valley, you know, and I'm you know all the way over in Florida. So that's also at the same time not an excuse. They you know especially if where there's the ability to to you know do work remotely. Um, in the case of say voice acting specifically, right? Like you can hop on a, a fucking laptop and beam up, you know, audacity and go grab your blue snowball, your Yeti and you're at work. So, um, it's a matter of making sure that the communities that are out there that are interested in these projects, um, know that they're available because typically it's something I talk to a lot of people about because I'm in the tech industry is, you know, I get a lot of questions about how to get started. And really it's, you know, I had to be like to, to Eddie's point about competition, I had to be super fucking hyper aggressive. Like, oh, this requires a bachelor's degree. Fuck you. I'm applying anyway. Every job I've had in the past 10 years required a bachelor's degree. I am a six time college dropout. Oh, so I think it's, it's certainly part of it. And I think a lot of it is I'm, a, I'm fortunate in the fact that I'm a, I'm a really, loud, brash, confident person. And I, I know my worth. And so I'm, I, I feel confident in doing that, but I know that that's, that I'm the, um, exception to the rule in that perspective. Uh, I'm similar on that front. Um, but I, I think I also have like a lot of privilege in the area, a, because of how I sound, um, very much like I remember my, one of my first jobs, uh, after high school, um, I was working from home doing tech support and people definitely, you know, just thought I was white over the phone. Um, yeah, you're, you're, you're white, your phone, white voice, same, <laughs> like the way, you know, um, so that, you know, that gives me a, a, a leg up in different interviews, things like that. And then I also am a light skinned person and colorism does exist and it plays a really big part in things. Um, I've got a name that isn't scary, you know, I've got a lot of things. Um, but I can agree that like, 
it's there's definitely hesitation when you're going to go in a field. Um, my field is is a male dominated field. In uh, I do technician work, a biomedical technician work, um, and there are very 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 few women in the field at all. When I go to the symposium, they assume I'm a sales girl or something like that. Um, and before I was was in this, before I went to college for this, I uh, I was in marketing for years and. One team I was on, I worked for tons of different companies, and one team I was on, I was traveling all over the country, essentially representing this company at minority events. So things like the NAACP convention and black uh, sorority conventions and fraternity conventions, things like that, like anywhere that or black concerts, black festivals, any of those things, they would have me and another team go represent. And I was very grateful for that opportunity. And, and I remember uh, one of the... Uh, co-workers being talking about like well, they're only giving those jobs to black people like those are extra things that like only black people can get and i'm like oh but you also have to understand like so they're like well i don't get to travel like only you guys do and i'm like well they still have events everywhere they're just hiring white people from everywhere but they've literally just chosen for black people and decided these are the black people uh and decided to send us around um so it, it was weird being in a position where i knew for a fact that uh, I had the position because they did not want to open very many up to black people while also knowing I did have it because I was black. Uh, I know like that stuff just kind of always comes into consideration. And like, it's funny too. Cause like, I didn't even think about the whole, cause I, I've made this joke plenty of times over the years. Like I've got, got that, you know, that great phone. I even remember, thanks for calling Comcast. This is Jacob. How can I help you? Like, mm -hmm. Oh my God. I still like, I haven't done that in <laughs> fuck 12 years. Uh, so like it's, it's, uh, it's a, you know, so like, but I, I think uh, Ariel, I'm curious and Eddie, I think you actually, I know very confidently for, from your perspective that like the, you know, that was like part of growing up. You were told like have to sound this way to be successful. Oh, for sure. So, which is so, fucked up now that I think about it but like oh, yeah. just it just was the reality of the moment so like oh it's funny because we're talking about bias but like there's like a lot today right but like there's also that reverse of like as there was no you know this was the reality and this is our status quo and we have to live in it and now fighting against that every day now about this it's not okay Well, I read a very interesting article. I, I read a lot of nonfiction and I'm in like science journals and medical journals and psychology journals because I'm just a big fucking nerd. But um, I read an article here probably a couple of months ago where they were talking about a study where they were saying that um, as far as language and the way it works, that Ebonics was a more intellectual language because it could convey so much more about a story with fewer words because of the way the wording was used. And I remember sitting in high school and me and my best friend were, it was a very small school. So we were in all the same classes together, except for English class. They put her in a remedial English class because she quote unquote spoke like a black person. That definitely <laughs> happens a lot. Like it's, it's not considered, um, I also could probably talk too long on this, so I'm going to try not to. Um, language is, is, is very commonly something that is used to separate classes and who determines 
what is the correct language and what is not is very much determined by who has a position of power and who they actively don't want to have a position of power. Um, intelligence in language is learning the language of the people around you. Your goal is to be able to communicate effectively. And if you come from a community where people communicate in one way, but you, you don't learn to communicate with them because you're learning to communicate with some other community, you're going to have a lot of trouble. There is no intelligence tied to language. And, and the, the term mostly used for the different African-American dialects around the United States is African-American vernacular English. Um, and there is, it, it, yeah, it, it conveys, I wouldn't necessarily say it's more intelligent of a language, but it's just different. It's a much more tonal language. You can say the same word 10 different ways. Uh, and just those slight changes in tones mean different things. And don't use the same grammatical, they use more of a Russian grammatical sentence structure than say an American or an English grammatical sentence structure. Um, and uh, it, it, it very much just becomes this sort of point of contention because people are thinking, oh, well, they can't learn to speak English correctly, but they are speaking English. It's just a different English. Um, there's, there's so many different accents and dialects and ways that people speak. And I got told, I remember in, in college being like, oh, you can't be walking around a hospital saying stuff like ain't, nah, and oh my God, yeah. all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, well, listen, you know who goes into that hospital? People who say ain't and nah and all this stuff. They're not going to get proper treatment. They're not going to get taken care of. If you're not taking them seriously, you're thinking they're stupid because they speak a different language than you. That's all it is. It's not a sign of inferiority. It's a different language. We have... You know, we have cultural classes in the United States that tend to be closely tied to race because of our history. And the languages that tend to be tied with Black cultures tend to be just very much looked down upon for whatever reason they've decided. But like you said, they just, they convey information differently, but they're a set of rules like anything else. Yeah. So my mother, she actually, my mom comes from Trinidad. And she immigrated to this country when she was very young. Uh, they speak English uh, in Trinidad. So when she came to this country, she spoke very po proper English with a Trinidadian accent, and they put her into uh, uh, East. Uh, what's the name of the class? Uh, I can't remember what the medial name medial English. Yeah. ESOL in, in English as a foreign language or whatever ESOL. Yeah. They put her in that, and I, she, I remember her telling me that that was very traumatic for her because, in her mind, like she spoke, as she phrased it, the Queen's English, you know, and just <laughs> like, like yes. we, we invented the language, like, well, England invented the language, you know, and you're telling me I can't speak it, and like it was very embarrassing for her, and it was a very traumatic experience for her, and so, but. It's a shame that people go through that. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's because it's the time when they realize you've got to speak a certain way and act a certain way, be considered professional. You know, and that goes into pretty much anything that is not from the predominant culture, which is which is whichever cult in the United States, the predominant culture is anyone who's assimilated into white culture. Um, they're the primary drivers of what's acceptable and what's not. And so your hair being unacceptable or your clothes being unacceptable or the way you speak being unacceptable is all very much based on what they consider to be acceptable. And even if what they did wouldn't necessarily be the most acceptable thing in say a black community, for example. Mm -hmm. 
If you get a question earlier, Zine uh, had a question about yeah, archetype. He, he posted it. Do you guys? Think- oh, go ahead, man. <laughs> okay, because I was actually going to have you answer it because I I know you have a really good answer to this. Um, do you guys pick an archetypical character, or do you guys pick archetypical character inspirations like Spider Man or All Might? I 100 percent do. Like, mm-hmm. I find a character that I like, and I'm like, I'm going to build a, another character around this, but just give a little twist to it. So, my paradox is 100% based off of, uh, guys, here's the thing. I'm terrible with names. My <laughs> kind of freezes all the time. Uh, the Venture Brothers, the Monarch. He's 100% oh. the Monarch. You know what's uh, funny? We've been playing together for a year, and I had no fucking idea. Oh, the grizzly voice, the like, very like. Yeah. I didn't even consider it. I'll get you next time. <laughs> well, it's forever changed now for sure. Because <laughs> I definitely, I was just like, he's just fucking weird. But all right, I really like him. And now, yeah. dad. And then uh, other characters like X. I didn't like realize it at the time, <laughs> but he's a hundred nibbler from uh, Vishorama. Oh, that's a that's for sure, no doubt about that. Yeah, but yes, I definitely pick archetypes and build characters around him, both actively and passively. I feel like I should do that. Like I. It would probably help me be more creative. Um, but I don't tend to... I, I tend to actually build around, like, I'll flip really quick through player's handbook or something and look at a background. And then just kind of daydream about that background, I guess, is a lot more how I end up finding the person. Or if I hear a little bit about the world, I'll cater it to that. But I don't tend to take media and i should but i apparently I, I tend to end up like media i remember seeing once was playing in a campaign i don't remember if either of you two were in it um i know he was he was a, a stoic robot um my character was kind of this country a southern stereotype you know um like like my mom is from Tennessee, and so I kind of played off that accent a little bit. It's just the one I can kind of do. She's from Tennessee. I'm from Savannah. Uh, I was just kind of being country and being really silly. I was like a worshiper of Bahamut. Um, <laughs> Bahamut. Was Bahamut, and she had a full misunderstanding of of Bahamut's entire intent. Yes, Brittany was there as well, and Brittany had a lot of books, and I was very offended by that. <laughs> um, yeah, so Sane called himself McCree and he called me Ash. I didn't intend to base it off of Ash, but I guess that's where it ended up. So unintentionally, and I so I wonder if it's like a subconscious thing, because I want to say it wasn't even that long after Ash had come out. Yeah, mine's more subconscious. Like, there, there are a few that I do consciously do, but then it's like later on pointed out to me, you just picked this character, and I'm like, Damn it, you're right. <laughs> it's it's funny because I'm 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 I, I typically and I mention you know kind of story backstory first and then on the fill in the blanks later. But I I try to actively avoid that, even though like you know I th- I think that there's not a 
a way to avoid it because you, know, you have to start somewhere. Like, had to be pointed out to me, like, my first, like, you know, now that, I, you know, it, it, you know, leading into my absolute obsession with table, tabletop RPGs was, um, you know, well, I didn't even consider the fact that, like, like, uh, cause both Cena and Brittany were like, yeah, dude, like this character, Jim, and he's like, just you like turned up to like even more 11. But the thing that I don't even know if they, I think I've mentioned this to them before, but like, uh, this flaw about that character was actually something that I didn't like about myself. And I wanted to really dive into that. And that was just, a, that was a, specifically around, um, false bravado and, the, and it actually way better than i thought because um he ended up being confronted with several very powerful situations that people were initially asking him what to do and so he was forced to you know really kind of grow up really fast um and so that really helped me like personally a lot so it, it's but since then i i tried to go even farther away from that also like in which is i guess partially like psychologically like you know not even it's like you know like, here's the laundry list of the things i don't like about myself and there's a laundry list of characters to play <laughs> but um you know but I, I i like to start with flaws first too and i think it because kind of it provides a very interesting like <laughs> this is such an eight-year-old with it and Anything on the Twitch stream is making me happy, but hey, uh, praise be. Uh, so yeah, so I, I try to stay away from it. Um, obviously, you know, you, you, I, I think you know you start. You have to start somewhere. Um, so yeah, that's my answer, and I'm sticking to it. Like it? Hey, I have a question. What's that even? Um, I have a question for you, which is that what the heck was the inspiration for Temp? To be annoying if possible. Like, what is the worst character I can create on the fly and, like, just get him to hate him? Who's Temp? I don't think I even know who this is. He was just a. a th- we were played a quick one shot on a, uh impromptu trip one time between Ariel, Daryl, myself, and some other friends, and. We just happened to have dice, and we're like, let's just let's just play a quick game, right? And I was like, all right, I'm going to create the worst, like, who, who's the worst character in any series? And it's just that really bravado boy that she can take off, right? And it, everywhere he went, he would just like proclaim himself, and I'm him, right? And, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty bad. Okay. Yeah. So. It is like five minutes to eight. This is when we usually uh, take a little break, give everybody five, ten minutes to grab drinks or food or whatever. So if y'all want to take a break, you're more than welcome to. I would love to. All right. <laughs> so then we'll, we'll give you all about uh, you know, ten minutes or so. Grab drinks, go to the bathroom, grab some food. DoorDash, awesome. whatever it is you do. Yeah, I don't. I don't know about y'all, but like, I I can, you know, I mean, at, you know, after the brick, of course, we I can go forever, dude. I can talk about this shit all day. <laughs> I know, Jacob, you have kept me hostage at parties until like five in the morning. I know you can. Yeah, I'm a really bad guys at like, you know, shutting up. <laughs> oh, honey, we've had we've had little get-togethers where it's like, oh, we're gonna run this little one shot. It won't take that long, and it's like six o'clock in the morning. People are going, shit, I gotta go to work. So, right. you know. True. So I get that. 
right, I'll see you guys in 10 minutes. BRB, LOL. All right, be right back. Whenever y'all are ready, I can put things back together. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready just because this, this question seems like it'll be a good one to start back with. Okay. Uh, give me one moment. And, sure. Uh, I'm going to be Don. No, you can't have a moment. Do it now. Now. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Should be live. Hello, hey. chat. Can y'all hear us? Back early. Are we back? We want. We're back early. Or and stuff. Oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's Brittany. Hey, Brittany, do you see how everyone else is being helpful? Can you tell? No, Who is that? Who is that? Topia, aka Inni. This is my new favorite person. <laughs> yeah, she's pretty fantastic. Monster. Um, so when we were on break uh, and like, coming back, we were chatting about um, getting arrested and things like that. Um, now Eddie's here. Oh yes, I'm still here. Sir. Um. But I, I had a question for Jacob that felt like kind of a good place to come back because I don't know. Well, I don't know, Jacob. Do, do, do most people in the chat know your your experience with that? Um, Is that something you're comfortable talking uh, about? I am comfortable talking about. It. I think it's important. Um. So, uh. So yeah, yeah. Let's absolutely dive into it. Um, Eddie, if that's cool with you. Yeah, go ahead. I love the story. I mean, <laughs> right, right, right. So, uh, so, um, so this is, uh, especially as we are, you know, combating police brutality, I think it's important to tell a story of, uh, of one night about, um, 11 years ago or so, um, when, um, Eddie and I were coming home Eddie were in our roommates at the time. And, um, we, we're coming home from an Applebee's um, after a very fun evening out. Um, and we proceeded to see the reds and blues um, turned on behind us. Eddie was driving. I was in the passenger seat. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, we get pulled over. And, uh, and of course, as you can imagine, we think, um, you know, what could possibly be the situation? So uh, so the, the officer um, comes to... Uh, you know, and I, I think it's probably not surprising to say that um, this was a uh, um, a young um, dude, uh, and he, you know, flashlight, and I think you rolled the window down or opened the door. I don't remember if you had issues with your <laughs> windows at the time, um, but uh, and essentially, you know, did the, the deal, license and registration, and, and all that good stuff. And I believe the reason that was stated was because you had a broken or dim taillight, I believe. That, is that true? Yeah. I did not have a broken taillight. I, I don't even believe I had a dim one, but I, I think he gave a reason like that. And I was like, okay. But yeah. So and, and the point there is essentially it was, it was bullshit, to be very blunt. Um. So, you know, I was not super surprising 
um, so we, you know, whatever, let's get this done and, and home because we all have work in the morning because, you know, <laughs> in our <laughs> early 20s when we would go out till three in the weeknights. Um, so actually, it's not fair. We totally have done that uh, since then. And recently, it's like two we weeks ago. Yesterday. <laughs> oh, yeah, we did do that yesterday. <laughs> Yeah, we're dumb. Anyway, not not much has changed. So, uh, so you know, runs Eddie's stuff, comes back, you know, fine. I'm like, okay, oh, time to go. Uh, and we and I get a knock on my window. You know, very surprising. My window down is the same cop and asked me for my information, like my ID. And I'm like, all right, I guess I, yeah. you know, I, yeah. super odd. Right, this is very strange. Um, but you know, okay, whatever. So, uh, officer takes my stuff and I'm looking at him like, what's going on? This is so weird. And uh, the, the crazy thing at the time was like, it, it was just like another ordinary, like just weird situation to be in with your friend comes back, um, and asked me to step out of the car. I thought was, as you can imagine, very strange. And I step out of the car and he, we go to the back side of the car and then he, you know, asked me if I have anything sharp. Um, and of course, no, because I'm not an idiot. Um, then he, as I'm so, as I'm, this is, as I'm sitting in front of him, he puts a cuff on my right, my right, my right, uh, wrist. And as you can imagine, I'm, you know, quickly very blindsided by the situation. I ask him, what are you arresting me? For? He doesn't answer me right away. I go, what are you, what are you, what are you putting cuffs on me for? You're arresting me for, and he says, and I quote, "I don't know. I have to check." And so I ask, as you can imagine, well, then why are you putting like cuffs on me? And at this point, he has gotten like you know, the car, seeing that I'm, you know, I've since raised my voice, and he then um, the cop essentially tells him to sit back, you know, in the car. So you know, as you can imagine, trying not to make anything worse, we're trying to figure out. Okay, this is. I'm trying not to like lose my fucking mind, but like clearly there's got to be some sort of misunderstanding or mistake. So, uh, and I'm like, you need to tell me why you're arresting me. And he then was directly to, um, are you resisting arrest? And I go, what are you talking about? You haven't told me what you're arresting me for. You haven't even written me my rights. Are you resisting arrest? He just says over and over and over again. And I kind of realized, I was like, wow, like this is like, this is like, Really bad. Um, so I'm trying not to, you know, create an additional war of escalation. So I essentially give him my left hand for him to cuff me behind my back. He essentially escorts me to my uh, to the back of his cop car, and I again ask, "Why are you arresting me?" He doesn't respond, which, as you can imagine, is very strange because. As I read, I need to, you need to tell me what the fuck you're arresting me for. And, um, you need to read me my, my fucking rights, please. So, um, needless to say, um, I hear like, as you can imagine, you know, a bunch of numbers that don't really mean. Yeah. And then he opens the, the door to the, uh, to the, um, his, his, uh, uh, driveway drive, uh, drive, driver's side door. There we go. And he says, yeah, taking your friend to jail. And before I and like, so I'm like, as you can imagine, immediately in hysterics, yelling at Eddie to call my parents. And he, as Eddie's trying to communicate with me, he slams the door um, and we peel out. 
and go downtown. As you can imagine, I am absolutely beside myself as we go downtown. Um, so fast forward to uh, you know processing and fingerprinting and all that stuff, and um, essentially, I find out what the the alleged charge was, which was possession of a suspended license. My license was perfectly fine; I just wasn't driving, and I had and he had license, good license in his hands, and I for a while like okay this is the situation um so you know as you imagine that was a very um dark night for me um putting um fun fact having a razor pulled on me for a peanut butter jelly sandwich so that was cool so, so needless to say i we that next kind of morning um we go to uh we go to court and as you can imagine, like, you know, I'm in, in goals and things like that. So it's great. Um, and Eddie and my dad are there. And I kind of wave, kind of acknowledging them. Um, and, and I said this to Eddie privately, but I'll say publicly that he did not need to be there. And it's something that I'm very, very happy about um, and super appreciative of. And so needless to say, I'm, as you can imagine, panicking because this is a Tuesday and at like, you know, noon or, or one and not, you know, work has no idea where the hell I am. So I was like, all right, the only thing I need to do is get the fuck out of here. Um, and you can imagine as a 23 year old that doesn't really know anything about the law at like I, I the, the correct what I know now is to have pled not guilty, hired a lawyer, this thing and sued the fuck out of the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office. Um, however. I didn't have any of that information, and also I was dead broke. Um, so I pled no contest so I could get the fuck out of there and hopefully save my job. So that afternoon in the evening, eventually released, um, and, Eddie, and Eddie and my dad are there. So, or I think at least my dad was. Uh, I figured, you know, at the time that that, that that was, you know, okay, well, that was awful, but like there's nothing I can do. Then, to my horror, I realized that my dad's been there all night. But what do you mean you've been here all night? Yeah, so I've been trying to bail you out all night. Like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, they said that you were still, you know, in processing. And I go, what time are you talking? Like, what time were you here? And he's like, like, um, you know, some. I was, you know, down. Eddie called me, um, and down here, you know, maybe 30, 45 minutes at the most afterwards. They lied to my dad and said that, that that I was not available to be released when I had been in myself or over, you know, or so that. So the, the, the terrifying thing about this whole Bert, thing. Can you say again over how many hours you cut out? Um, um, to, or over two or three hours. I'd, I'd been in my cell for two or three hours. Um, even actually, I think even longer than that. It's, you know, it wouldn't have mattered if my dad's been there all fucking night to come to me. Get me out, right? The, the the thing that's terrifying that brings us to today that, that really and I have really concerns me is that past really ten years I've been really, I, I, if I have to be honest with myself, very very sort of a PTSD way, very frightened of the police. Um, the time that I was in um, a car and there was a police, you know, car behind behind it, I would. You know, as you can imagine, not um, in a good spot, um, it would pass eventually. Um, but now, like, you know, with all the people that have 
I've been killed. Like I, I started to think like, fuck, like it was, I just like lucky. Did I just not make him, you know, mad enough? Like what the, like, what was really all this for? Like, Oh, and my dad would, would go on to tell me that cause he had friends on the force and, uh, uh, that, Oh man, like your son absolutely should have like, which of course is great to fucking tell me afterwards. Right. Um, and you can, you know, and of course, you know, it's just sitting there like, yep. Arrested. Great. Awesome. Wonderful. Of course, the, the punchline to this is I, so I go, Oh my God, dad, like uh, my work as like no idea, like I'm a no call, no show. I probably got fired. And it's like, where is son? Um, I took care of it. I'm like, Oh yeah. What did you say? Like me and I, you were in jail. I'm like, what the fuck dad? What would you say? Like literally the worst possible fucking thing you could say. Um, yeah. So like, so now like, and, and I was telling me and Ariel this last night and like yesterday, like we went to a protest locally here in Jacksonville. Like I, I can't afford to, to be afraid anymore. Um, I'm, I'm angry and uh, to fight and this is not, none of this shit's okay. And that's what this is about. Uh. And we had always grown up, you know, being told the police officer is your friend and he's there to help you. And it's such a false narrative. Officer <laughs> friendly. Yeah. I well, I was 23 years old when I was out with one of my girlfriends and she's a black lady. And we were down in Orange, Texas. Not a good place to go. Don't visit there. Um, and we had my two-year-old son and her two-year-old son in the backseat and we'd been in town. I suffer from horrible migraines and I had a migraine hit. So she was driving home and I was in the passenger seat and we got pulled over and two, two cops, one on each side with their guns pulled because they had just decided I was being carjacked. That's about right. And so, of course, we were terrified, especially with the kids sitting in the back. And it's like, okay, folks, here we are 22 years later, and shit ain't getting no better. I, I, don't, I don't understand how you do it on a day-in, day-out basis. Because um, that kind of fear, I mean, I know you don't have any choice, but that kind of fear, it, it has to do things to you. Uh, and I, I didn't think about it until recently, like, because um, I, I would, I, I was, started really to cast over over the years and like, um, specifically, especially has heard me say, which I think, you know, I think I was in hindsight, I think it was, was lying to myself, but. Like, I was like, I'm glad it was me because I'm, I'm strong enough. Like, someone that's not as strong as me that would have broke underneath that kind of pressure when the reality is, it's like, I'm just another kid at the time, you know? So, like, I'm just another 23-year-old kid trying to you know, live in a, a world that, you know, things are, where life is unfair and, you know, we, we got to live and figure, figure this shit out anyway. And so, and then add on top of that, you know, and, you know, you know, institutionalized and systemic racism, it, it doesn't make doesn't make it great. But I think we're something that was really powerful, you know, about 
you know, protesting and really like, you know, it, like using my voice and like, I'm, I'm fortunate in the fact that I'm a loud, brash person and you know, be unapologetic about it. And so, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm very hashtag uh, blessed, to, you know, for that to resonate with people. And, you know, cause there are people that don't feel comfortable, you know, speaking out and I'm, I'm and I'm not one of those, fortunately. I've had a conversation a lot lately sort of surrounding like in regards to a lot of black Americans in particular have kind of always had this sort of cloud over their head. Um, like a lot of the time, you know, you don't know if you didn't get a job because of the way you look or because of your name or because you just didn't get the job or things like that will happen where you, you're kind of, you know, you're always kind of concerned why are things like this? Like, why are there so many things outside of my control, no matter what I do? And you have to, you do have to accept that, but it, it's a constant cloud. And there's this consistent, like, anxiety over your head about when the other shoe is going to drop. You're, you're, you're always on edge. And when you go out, you don't know who has which intention and who's going to turn on you. And you don't know when you're going to lose a friend because you hear the way they actually talk behind your back regarding, you know, your color or things like that, or it turns out they're only with you because you speak right or any of these kinds of things. And you're just, it's, it's anxious, it's anxiety inducing and it's anger inducing. And you're constantly, you're just constantly stressed and you're constantly, it's like this big cloud over your head and you just kind of eventually try to get callous to ignore it. And a big part of why I think everybody is so mobile now is because we've got this, this national, recession going on and we've got COVID going on, making everybody constantly fearful for, you know, their health and safety. And we've got record unemployment, making people upset that they don't have a job, a reason out of their control. And everybody seems to have this, this cloud over their head. Uh, you know, everyone's waiting what's going to happen next. Cause it keeps happening and it keeps happening and it's happening. Like, especially this year for it's, I, I have found it a lot easier to have these kinds of conversations with my friends more recently because I think they're getting a little bit of understanding over what it's like to just constantly, constantly have this anxiety and this fear and this lack of control and weird sense of obligation to do something about it, even when you can't do anymore because it's so constant. Um, so I definitely get that. It's, and I, I think a lot of people are coming to just a lot more of an understanding and it's making them as angry as you've been. For sure. Especially since like, you know, with the, and we're fortunate to grow up in, in uh, kind of the early and then mid and then now the stages of social networking and, video, the ability to pop on a video stream at any point and, and prove that this is because this is happening because the reality was, you know, people thought it was, you know, likely not true. Like you, you, you know, uh, you deserved it. Like you had to because the police are, you know, right. You're wrong or you're, you're in cuffs because you deserve, not deserve to be, or you, you did know, something you were, yeah. Exactly. And so when when that's just not the reality of it and we've got it on you know on, on on home. And so now like the other the other thing is is like you know as 
you know, that's 33 now, like with that friend and with friends that have children. And now it's like, it was always, so it was about us and, you know, and, and also like tra- changing, you know, what we know and the reality that we have to deal with. And also like, now we have to worry about the future too. Like it's so, so again, you know, the weight of the world on our shoulders again. And now we're talking about like our, you know, I have is that call me uncle Jacob and like, and, oh, and, and there's that unconditional love that comes from that. And so like, we have to, that type of, you know, disdain and hate is taught. And we know that they're not going to see it because their dads and moms love us. And so what we have to do is we have to like figure out how to change this before they become exposed, you know, to, to, you know, we have to be exposed to. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I, I definitely agree with that. It's, it's so hard because you want to help raise them to be, everybody wants to raise the next generation to be different. Um, but different is new. And if it's new, no one's done it before. Like, don't know what to do because we can try all these things that feel right, but we might just be like really fucking that up too, uh, in whatever a whole new way. And there, there does, there's a lot of stress around that and feeling, especially like if I know say children who aren't minorities and, and I'm like one of the only minority figures in their life, I'm like, I'm going to be their entire basis for this. And it's like a lot of pressure. <laughs> Actually, I mean, Tracy, like your, your perspective, like, and actually it's, it's really familiar to me specifically now because um, Ariel's mom was awesome enough to join us yesterday too. And conversations were very similar around like, we've been talking about this shit for 30 years. Like, I'm curious, like, you know, how this is, how this experience has been for you. I have been far more hopeful this time around than I have for the past several uh, because it feels like more people are paying attention. And in the past, I've often felt like you've, you know, you'd show up to these protests and there'd be this group, but it often felt like nobody outside that group was listening. Nobody was looking at anything. And I think social media has a whole lot to do with that. That just more people are listening this time. And so this is the first time in years I felt hopeful that we might actually change something. And I think I feel like everybody definitely feels that. And like all the factors I was talking about earlier, you know, a country and unrest from every angle. And you add this onto it. And, and I know been a lot of talk around peaceful protests and things like that but like you said you went to many of them and nobody talked about them and there are many around the country right now and nobody talks about them and there's been protests for a a local uh man kid pretty young guy uh 22 killed uh after being stopped for not wearing a seatbelt here in jacksonville and they refused to release the body cam footage for this kid uh uh his name is jimmy johnson and it's been six months six months of protests that every single person drove by and didn't look twice at. They did not care a single bit about it. And and you're always told, this is the way you have to do it. This is the way you have to do it. But what's what's happening right now is working better than anything. 
Right. It's like I was in high school when the footage with Rodney King came out. And my best friend in high school was a black girl. Her name was Coffee. I joke you not. I asked her mama one time, why did you name your daughter Coffee? And she was like, well, she was my 12th kid. I was running out of names. And I was like, okay. (laughs) But like, I watched her go from this extremely vibrant, outspoken person to almost trying to shrink into the shadows out in public. And that was not okay with me. And that's when I picked up my first protest sign. You know, um, I don't want anybody to live in fear. Anybody. That is just not acceptable to me. And so it has been this constant cycle of, well, maybe this time somebody will listen. Maybe this time somebody will listen. And then being angry when they don't. So I'm not going to shut up. Is That's that's just what I've decided. I I don't care if everybody else on Twitter (laughs) forgets. I'm not going to shut up this time. Never again am I going to say, well, it's over. We all go home. No, no, no. Not going home ever again. Just not happening. Y'all going to have a very loud queen for a very long time. (laughs) Hell yeah. It's like, and that's the thing that's, that's, that's interesting too, is that like, um, we have uh, a friend of ours, um, essentially was like, you know, um, you know, if you're, cause essentially, and I pretty strongly about this, like there is no other side to this. Um, and I'm, I very strongly feel that way. And like, so, uh, I, have been pretty vocal about that and and we had a friend of mine that was uh uh that was very much like against that and so we a couple of us were like well you know all right cool um you're out see ya like that's just the reality of it now like yeah. um, very little to low tolerance like, you know we'd have a dialogue um at some point in the future but fucking right now is Well, I I, I am just, I can't wrap my brain around some of this. It's like my son goes out every day. He's going to be 25 this year and he walks out the door every day and gets in his car and goes to work and comes home. And I don't have to worry about the police pulling him over because if they do, they're going to write him a citation at most. I cannot imagine being a mother and knowing that if your child gets pulled over for nothing but bullshit, they can still die from it. That is, that's not acceptable. It should not be acceptable to anybody. Sure. Uh, and I think, again, like what Jacob said, there's constant hope that it's just not real. Oh, man, to live to live in that reality, <laughs> mm. live in that utopia. Are you gonna say something, Eddie? Oh no, I'm just commiserating uh, with uh, mm-hmm. the. It, it just the fact that we do live in that this reality where those are very real possibilities. It's heartbreaking. That we've had to have this conversation over and over and over and over again. It's like it's exhausting. Like I, 
I actually, uh, when I woke up this morning, I felt physically drained. I spoke to my roommate, and yet he was feeling the same symptoms. Like, we were so proud of what we did yesterday, but it, w- it took an emotional and just this strain on us. I'm like, man, we're still having to do all this, you know, just for the basic right to live. Well, like, I, no, I had. Oh, so that's another thing that angers me, though, is, is you should not be having to carry this. You did not make the system broken. It's not your responsibility to fix it. I want to know where are the other white folks that want to stand up and fix this? Because we did this. We did this. I, I am responsible. My parents are responsible. My grandparents are responsible. We shouldn't put it on you to fix it. Why are you having to carry it? And it's not our responsibility, but it is our problem. So move on. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's a lot and it's going to take a lot. And, you know, working for anyone who, who does have that, maybe feeling like you're responsible in some way or something like that, um, people change. Like, if, even if you were more directly that way, people change and people learn information. And if you're open to that, that's that's what has to happen. Um, you have to be willing to take the time to actually look, be willing to be criticized and be willing to to realize that you know and if life's not fair for someone in a bad way, then that's gotta be benefiting someone else in a positive way. Someone else gets the opportunities that certain people don't get. And someone else is someone else is in charge. Someone else is, you know, on the other end. If someone is not given the benefit of the doubt, if if they're treated below standard, then somebody is treated at least at that standard. And so trying to acknowledge the things you get and look at what other people don't get and help to raise them to that same standard is is where you gotta start and you're doing it and I guess that is you know, that's all you can do. We've got organizations, you know, working with like black led organizations specifically on this has been something that I've been trying to work towards. We've got our community action committee here in Jacksonville and I, uh, and my best friend, we've been thinking of ways we can help and a, a group, Eddie is in and Jacob and I, and, roommate um and a couple few others seen and them are in a in a group and we're looking at the ways that we can help the ways that we can help get organized we've got a large friend group in large numbers and we know that they are willing to fight for us and fight with us and be there with us um and the the organizations that are out there right now a lot of them are so splintered and so unseen that they really could use some help um so there's there's a lot of places to start That's the thing that, like, I was I was joking about this yesterday. Like, I, I felt like uh, <laughs> Dorothy had been the Wizard of Oz. I'm like, and you were there, and you were there, and you were there, and you were there. Like, it was so like emotionally like like rejuvenating because like not that I ever like you know, considered that like this fight was mine, but like you know, it does get a little lonely sometimes when you're 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 yelling at the world and it's you know not responding to you, and then surrounded by the people that you care about the most and that are like we hear you they're fighting with you is 
to everything. Okay. Uh, it was uh, absolutely. A very emotional experience for me, like especially in this uh, post-COVID world where we've been quarantined for so long, getting out and like uh, seeing that, like getting together with our large group of friends that. They didn't have to be there, but they were there to support, like, it's like reaffirming that we just have such a great core center of support in our friends. And it was just like, like really like, I don't know, had this grasp on my heart. I'm like, I love these people. Yeah. Well, and I, I know I posted about it the other day, but like, people in primarily white like interests and communities like you know tabletops or in any of our we're you know very nerdy kind of friend group don't know if they're really there for you or if they're yeah. there for an acceptable for you and our friends like say it louder you know <laughs> like very behind us like how many of them showed up with first aid and educational things willing to to help out those people who couldn't, like my best friend couldn't help out. She gave everybody her phone number so that they could call her <laughs> uh, if they went to jail. She knows she is. She has, she is one of those people with the connections and privileges and somebody who like people don't want to mistreat. Uh, and she was like, I'm going to use that to help you guys. She's like, you, it's you guys' voice. You do it. She gave us money for supplies everything and she yeah she was like i'll camp out at the police station all night if anything happens um another friend was like i'm not letting any of you guys get tear gas and he marched for two dang hours in the sweaty sticky freaking florida heat with holding a heavy dang cone just in case if <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like with goggles and welding gloves everything to you know Make sure that nobody else is getting affected if anything goes down. He's like, I hope they don't, but we like everybody was ready to pretty much throw down. And I'm glad you said that because, like, I remember, like, I was asking myself yesterday, and I was like, I'm, am I? Like, so I really had to ask myself the question, like, there's a certain possibility that, like, like I'm doing this, I lose everything, and like, it wasn't even like second guess. It was like, yeah, like this is worth. Of it. Our friends are a big part of what makes it worth it because I think we actually had this conversation. I'm not sure, but if we lose everything, we don't lose them. We have a place to go. We have people who are there for us. We don't lose everyone. It's a really beautiful thing, but we also have to remember there's not everybody that has that level of support, and right. that's why. It's important for us that since we do have that support, that we actually take action for those who don't. Like, um, like everyone has a varying level of privilege, and we should use ours in the ways we can. For sure. <laughs> there was a uh, a lady that um, was in a, a wheelchair, so she couldn't, you know, march with us. <laughs> And so oh, yes. she, and so she, <laughs> it's uh, not a great example of what you should do, uh, but it's really hey, funny anyway. Yes, it is. Yeah, because so she was, so essentially she's like, like honking and like blocking traffic and like in support, and it was fucking awesome. Yeah, she stayed uh, in her car and she just kept circling our route very slowly in her because we we take to the sidewalks and everything. Yeah, it was it was it was amazing. Oh. 
Oh my god, that little kid made me like I almost I thought that's when I almost lost it. Oh, it's yeah. amazing. There was a little boy leading chance. He heard our chance. He was in one of the cars and he leaned out the window and his mom stopped and he's yelling the first half and we're yelling it back like everyone as they march. That was so freaking adorable. Like that's like that's our future. We're fighting for literal like representation of that. And like, uh, and then on like the opposite side, there was like this uh, this um, a small house with a, a white family on the other side that was kind of chanting with us and had snacks and water and stuff. It was great. Really nice to have the whole community support on that. Three thousand people, so oh, insane. I get nervous that everyone's attention span is like it's not going to be too long. I get nervous that municipalities are going to open things even sooner just to stop the protests because civil unrest often comes with things like quarantine and anywhere that people are holed up and anxious. I'm nervous they're going to uh, 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 exacerbate these problems by doing all these things to try and release civil tension and either it's going to work People are going to forget about everything, go out, and we're going to have a really bad resurgence of everything later in the year. Or it's people are just going to get bored. And two weeks from now, it's going to be like it was three weeks ago. Yeah, that's the, the biggest concern is, is trying to create and continue the momentum that we've built. Like... A lot of that's just like, you know, storytelling, right? It's like, like, oh my, like I woke up with so much joy this morning for the first time in almost two weeks. And it's like, you know, it has to happen again. Like, you know, need that, like, almost like it's like being refueled in a way, you know? And I don't think uh, that everybody gets yet that this isn't just a matter of police reform. Yes, that has to happen. But there needs to be reform across the board in so many different ways. It's not just the police departments that need to be looked at here. Because part of the problem is, look at the prison system. They get paid by the, most of these private systems get paid by the number of inmates that sit in there. And who do the cops target to put in there? Well, that look like us. You know, it, you 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 can't stop at just one level. It has to continue through all levels of government. Definitely, absolutely does. And there's, you know, you everybody, every single one of y'all vote not just in the federal elections, but in the local elections. Like that is the main thing that anybody can say. Uh, prisons are a local issue. Typically, we can vote on federal, or we don't don't get a vote on federal funding, but we can vote. Supporting candidates who necessarily maybe don't say offer federal funding to uh, to police departments in order to militarize their equipment, um, but ultimately, our district attorneys, um, our local elected officials, are the ones who really really affect this, and it's very important. Um, and and you're right, like it's 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 every level, it's all types of areas in society. Like there's the, 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 the main initiative that the protests in Jacksonville are working for is a uh, police account accountability council of citizens. Um, it's a third party citizen led council, um, which I, I support 
um, immediately. Like that's something that I very much believe in. But at the same time, it depends who these citizens are. As say the people that are getting put on juries, if they come from the same systems that made everyone complicit in the first place, the juries are equally as complicit. They are not removed from society in any way. Even to have a citizens accountability board be impartial or, you know, be able to truly hold people accountable any more than juries have been doing when it comes time to convict, you have to work at society from a lot of different angles to get all of these implicit biases gone. Yeah. I think that's why it's such a heavy lift, right? Is because even though it's it's like duh common sense, like these two things have to happen at the same time. Otherwise, it doesn't it doesn't in my mind it like we, like both those things have to shift near the same times, at least from like a timeline perspective. So that way it can it can kind of fit together, if that makes sense. I agree. And especially because if you get one step at a time, people lose momentum because they got the one thing. Like I was very pleased when the other three arrests were made um, in the Floyd case. Uh, But I immediately was like, oh no. Because I was like, people are going to feel complacent about this. And the anti-protesters are going to say, well, because like before they were like, well, the cop was arrested. And we were like, the cop. Right one of them um then still i'm not i'm i'm nervous until i see a conviction as we were talking about earlier rodney king 1991 is when everything is when the actual beating happened 1992 is whenever they decided not to convict a single one of the officers um and that has happened over and over and over it has so charges are great but they do not necessarily mean anything statistically when it comes to police. They're convicted at significantly lower rates and they have a much higher burden of proof than the rest of society. And then it's not just about George Floyd. Everyone's like, well, if his officer, like they, they think we're just, I don't know if they think it or they just hope it that we're just doing this because of this one guy. I forgetting that like all, like a lot of this should happen all within a couple of days of each other, much less the stuff that was already, you know, top of mind already. Like this, it was just, you know, it's, you, you know, you lift the dynamite, you know, it's eventually runs out of, you know, uh, what's the, you know, it explodes eventually. <laughs> Think of the yeah. word. <laughs> exactly. The is only so long. Yeah. Right, exactly. See, Eddie, you're not the only one that doesn't know how to word. Um, also, um, fun, I will say as a small sidebar, fun in the uh, anecdote, I don't know the difference between the st- a stalagmite and a stalactite. And on top of that, even as many times as uh, many of my friends explain what it is, in, like, during a DD session, I'm just like the, the, the one on the top and the, the one on the bottom, and like I use my hand. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a mental block for me. They so now I'm just I never want to bring them into caves ever again. Lactites hang tight from the ceiling, Jacob. I'm not gonna remember that. So lactites hang tight from the ceiling, Jacob. Okay, well, you, you know what, <laughs> uh, Ariel? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to come over here. Give me and like tattoo it on my forehead. I will. It's like a two minute walk. <laughs> no. We live in the same complex. <laughs> Don't understand my point. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I, I like how Cap said wick. Um, I, uh, I, I, I can't pretend I don't forget things. I, if I'm driving and somebody says take a right, it's I, I have to just guess which way that is. Not that I don't know my right from left, but I can't think fast about it. Oh, um, I have this problem. Like if I'm giving directions, I always have to like all right, right, left. Put my hand up, like put my right and the left, but in the heat of the moment, I'm just like, Brain, what is it? Like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Packet locks. No. I don't know what it you know. is. No, but um, you know, keep up momentum. I hope, and I hope people are actually listening to the things you know that are being said. I hope that they're listening to complaints about things like qualified immunity. I hope they are listening to the amendments that are available locally here in Florida. My big one. I am constantly blabbering about lately is amendment three um it's our current ballot to open up the uh, primaries to any voters right now we have closed primaries and you have to be registered with a party um it's a top two ranked primary system and it's open to everyone uh, i'm a big fan of voter reform um do still have issues where we voted uh, last cycle to allow nonviolent felons to vote we overwhelmingly voted for it and they're still being denied that right um I hope people are paying attention. I hope people are not satisfied with in some arrests because they are not the heart of the problem. These other things are the heart of the problem and voting issues are the heart of the problem and social attitudes are the heart of the problem and qualified immunity is the heart of the problem and a lack of accountability is the heart of the problem and a lot more systemic issues than these four guys. Which is when, the when same thing dealing- said in 91 with those four guys. When you're when you're dealing with with legislation that affects voters' rights and things like that, I think people have a pretty good idea how to address that. Um, you you go and you vote on on your local legislation and things of that nature. I think it's harder for people under to understand how do we address the common misconceptions that are strewn throughout society. How do we set about changing those? Mm-hmm. Both with how and with. Like I, I feel like I see so many arguments for why they are useful that, you know, and I just think it's a lot of laziness. People don't want to address this stuff. It requires so much, so little effort to be in. <laughs> like really is what it comes down to. Like mm-hmm. you're a quick Google search away. Like even if Ariel, to your point, like if you didn't know what amendment three was and you didn't say what it was, it's all I, I it's not hard for me to find out. Amendment three Florida. Ta-da, I'm done. You know? Mm-hmm. Everyone's legal. holding That's up more. signs that say this stuff and they say people's names and everything, but all they look at is LM or George Floyd and they don't look up any of the rest. That's why I win the silver medal for the best sign of the book, like which, which was um if you could stop killing black people, that would be great. <laughs> be great. <laughs> Uh, the best sign was, I think everybody can agree, whoever threw that tear gas, your mom's a hoe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I yeah, like that one. I, uh, I had to concede at that point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one was uh, run away, my, my favorite. And it is. The, the funny thing about Jacksonville that's really that's really awesome and I think I love it so much is like yeah like it's very 
you know, military oriented. We have three naval bases, two in the city, one right outside of it. Um, being in the South, very conservative in a lot of cases, but like same time work, we're mega multicultural. Um, we have, you know, all, all the colors of the rainbow in, you know, consistent numbers. Um, it's one of the, the many, many things that, that I love about this city and why I, I yell uh, Duval really loud all the time. <laughs> yeah, I loved, the, uh, I loved the Duval in the park. Oh my God. She beat me to it. I was going to do one. <laughs> she had a mic. Not that I need a mic because I'm too loud. Uh, you do not need a mic. Time and time again. I don't know why I had to sing. It is. I did. Yeah, my mom was cracking up when you started a chant because she was like, Shh. like we were way ahead of you guys. And she's like, I know that voice. <laughs> I was like, motherfuckers, why? No, everybody's all silent. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. I will not have that. That was fun. It was good. Thought he was, was pretty happy with it. Hey man, you're a good chant leader. Yeah, I joked yesterday that I, I was like, I've been on this earth to, to yell and scream things. Uh, so, mod is whale. As a matter of fact, any. Any last night was like because my voice kind of got a little hoarse there at the end. And he's like, oh, "Man, I was, I was, I was saying, I was thinking to myself, hey, like, I don't make sure, make sure to have a little bit left for the podcast tomorrow." <laughs> yeah, don't feel, don't feel bad. My mic settings have to be way different than everybody else's because mm-hmm. my neighbors hear everything I say. <laughs> That's fantastic. I'm on the end of the condominium complex, so I, I don't have it. The top floor, so I don't have it too uh, bad. I have like you don't have it too bad. Yeah, did I not say that right? You don't remember right when you moved in? We got six noise complaints. Oh yeah, see what happened was uh, (laughs) (laughs) I threw a housewarming party. Uh, It is the only party I've thrown at this condo because the area alluded to uh, on the which is the second night that I lived here. I got six noise complaints. Which might be a record. I'm actually really proud of it. I'm, not, I'm that kind of guy where, like, you know, yes, I inconvenienced and woke up a lot of people at 3 a.m., but damn it, it was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way I look at yeah. it. I want to say neighbors look at it too. Hey, yeah. Yeah. See, we, 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 we don't even need Discord, Jacob. You can sit in Florida, and I can sit here in Texas, and we'll be able to hear each other. You're you're not wrong. <laughs> not wrong at all, at all. It was so funny because, like, he, like at the at the at the protest, there was definitely some audio issues, and I'm just like, I'll just need to come get me. <laughs> I can just so give me this, give me what you're going to say. And I will, will yell it for you. As a matter of fact, there has been many times in my life that like, especially if like someone, everyone's being like, we're like in a big loud group. Someone will be like, Hey, do you like over everyone's to get everyone's attention. And then, you know, do it. I don't know. Are you guys ready for the rest of this week? Yeah, I'm. I'm amped. Really excited. Um, got a protest putting right now. I think at the beach. 
that, yep, that's right now. You got one on Saturday. Like it's the thing that and we talked about this yesterday, like that I'm, you know, is the consistency, like, you know, we're not been done. Like I remember um in the you know, the Scientology stuff was really big in like oh eight, oh nine. And so we went I remember me and a couple of buddies went down to Clearwater, Florida and did like a protest and we're yep, we did it. <laughs> High fives, everyone. The world. <laughs> then we went back back home. Um the problem is is that uh actually fun story there. So we were leaving and someone uh like ran out behind my car, took a picture of my license plate and ran away, which I thought was really strange. Um the problem is is uh that my registration was still like you know being sent to my parents house because i was lazy um and actually eddie and i were roommates at this particular time as well and uh so then my mother you know about a week later my mother calls so the, i guess the scientology folks had had like this propaganda that they would set like that they would send out like scare people away and so my parents my parents are like who's anonymous and why do they have guy fox maxes on and like it just became <laughs> this big and like they're like are they trying to kill you jacob and i'm like no it's fine <laughs> see ali just flicked me off and i found out where john travolta lives it's not a big deal so don your good story start hey back when me and eddie were roommates yeah it's it's true um most of them do because there were a, that was a because which is funny because it was really only less than it was it was a couple couple years, um, and this was we were, were again you know early early twenties so this was a uh, uh, we partied a lot <laughs> we drank a lot oh, has man. not changed really much today yeah we just we just recover work like you know less a lot you know we just uh, we hurt more faster. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Then old Brittany, up on you. Yeah, yeah. It hasn't stopped us though. Oh. Brittany thought I said Jorn Tremolto. It's probably a good like D character name. Instead of John Travolta. Which is what I said. Um, Jorn, is it Jorn Tremolto? You gotta dress him in some polyester. <laughs> Speaking of uh creating D D characters based off of things that you know, right? Right. My, I will say real quick before we move on. Most of my best stories also start from becoming roommates with Eddie. So, so Eddie is the common factor in everybody's best stories. Yeah, Eddie's the reason I know Jacob. Like, sure. Like, I'll give you stories. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. At one point, Ariel was just this weird landlord. <laughs> And now she's one of my oh, best friends. <laughs> I think such a thing was very strange. Like, uh, cutting out a little bit. And she followed me around like a puppy, like Hey. Oh, I have an Abolith now. Yay! Look up a left. Eddie, you were cutting out during your story. Oh, I'm just saying, like, when uh, when I first went to go view the room, you just kind of, like, had to, like, 
followed me around and stared at me from a distance. And I was like, she okay? Didn't know if I was supposed to be, like, Trevor was giving you guys the tour, and I didn't know if I was supposed to be in it. I don't know. It's all right. It's worked a beautiful friendship. Jacob, <laughs> Jacob asked me today, actually, he said, Ariel, what have you learned from owning a house? <laughs> I said, one, oh, Mike, he knows what to do. <laughs> You're supposed to pour bleach once a month in your air conditioner. I do not know where. And that's it. That's literally, I've learned absolutely nothing. I don't have a clue what I'm doing with that thing. So, so I, It's so funny because I was thinking about it earlier because I'm trying to, fingers crossed, knock on wood, I close on a house at the end of the month. And I was like, just funny because I, I should have just hit up Mike because he's owned a home the longest out of anyone that I know. But for some reason, just which is super funny because you guys are together. That I got to ask Ariel first, and so so the, the the response was like fucking hilariously like perfect. I loved it so much. I'm glad. I don't know what to do. I'm scared. <laughs> you know what's funny, Ariel? We we were we've been all over the place tonight, but I don't think that we asked you what your favorite D moments are my favorite what indie moments um favorite really difficult for me to think of i do like this character that i'm technically not allowed to mention <laughs> why are you allowed to oh why am i allowed to not, not allowed to mention krusk when bone banned you and i from talking about him in the house because we would scream about him well, we're not in the house now. Okay, well, I had this character who had an evil alignment. And we had gone in this town. Everybody was gone but these two little halflings. That was a big old half-orc, I believe. Uh, was <laughs> big like, old half-orc. I wasn't sure. Um, <laughs> I was not positive uh, that... Uh, like how to be an adventurer and stuff like that. I was just trying to prove it. Like I can be an adventurer because like this girl I liked at home like liked an adventurer. So I was like, fuck that guy. Like I'm gonna go be an adventurer. And so I did. And I was with this group who I met at the bar. Like they were. I, I had been roaming around. I had spent a long time roaming trying to find an adventure. Nobody was like giving me one. Um. And so, but then eventually I, heard, I overheard these guys like end up getting a quest at a bar and I ran up and I'm like, you guys are going to need me, Pip Squeaks, you know? Um, <laughs> I'm just imagining you saying that and being like, and I walk away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming with you. Yeah. But have so, not been able to separate Ariel, the person from that character. I don't, I don't, I, I don't do voices enough. Um, but so, so we were all at the bar. I don't remember how everyone else got involved. That's just how my personal character involved and then we so at this venture like we went to this little town and everything in the town was like empty and but like it was all torn down everything was crazy i don't remember what the adventure was um and uh halflings like we're like oh we found this cave one of them at least was like i found this cave i pushed a rock from out in front of it or whatever and went in and that's where blah 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 was and we went to the cave and it was huge. Um, 
And I was like, how did a halfling punch a rock from this cave? But Eddie's character actually could not understand mine. Um, you know, he could understand your character. He just chose to interpret everything. Like, pretty much anytime her character would say something, he would, like, just translate it as something else for everybody else. Like, what she's really trying to say here is... Yeah, so I'd be like, hey, how co- how did that halfling push a boulder from in front of this? It's pretty big. And he'd be like, oh, I really liked those sandwiches back at the bar too, Krusk. I was <laughs> like, oh, okay. So that happens. We go in, we get like bombarded. We almost die, all right? Like, it is just a bad situation. And so I'm like so mistrusting. We get back and we're talking to the halflings and everybody's like being really sweet. I'm just like, these guys. I don't trust them. Like, he set us up. I know he set us up, and they're not talking to us. And I don't remember it was either myself or Trevor, like, messed it up and they were too afraid. And they, like, ran away, like, scurried up a wall or something. If Daryl was here, you probably remember. I think Daryl was the DM on Nora, maybe. Um, and, uh, and we were just, like, they were gonna, like, try to negotiate or something. I don't know, because this is how it ended, and we never played this campaign again. Um, I was, like, can I, can I, throw one of my javelins or whatever at him. I mean, if you freaking want to, I did it. I rolled high and I impaled it. I killed that halfling that sent us to the thing. And there have been many, many, many arguments about whether that made sense for the character. There have been many arguments about whether the character was intelligent enough to, to have that insight or, you know, cause I don't believe I rolled for that insight. I don't know if, know if it really happened, because I'm pretty sure Daryl just randomly rolled the size of the cave and it was big and he didn't think about the fact that he said that the halfling had pushed a boulder from in front of it. Uh, but it did not make sense to me. But Eddie and I used to get in some screaming matches about this cave. Like, it started playful, but Eddie also had a playful fight about Final Fantasy turning to him and Spencer trying to kill each other with weapons. Um, it can turn very serious. I do not like Final Fantasy and I will defend it with my life. <laughs> Actually, it came up recently about how they nearly fought to the death in real life. <laughs> I want to, I don't know. I don't know what y'all are. They're husband and husband, and it's. Sure. that. Like, if I, were, if I wanted a husband, Probably Spencer. Well, um, I, I have some news for you. You have one. His name is fucking Spencer, Eddie. <laughs> also, the answer to the question in the chat of which of their limit break is better, I feel that it is Spencer because if I'm remembering the ending to that story correctly, Eddie ran away and went back to his parents. And then <laughs> when they when he told them what happened, because they were very concerned that Spencer had tried to kill him, they just told him to get out of their house. <laughs> You know what? I didn't run away. I walked away because I didn't want to kill him because I had a sword in my hand. <laughs> it literally got to us drawing medieval weaponry on each other. I love that you're trying to say that to say that you took the high ground. No, you ran home. <laughs> To your parents' house, because you guys were living together at the time, right? Look at Obi-Wan Kenobi over here. And I walked away. (laughs) Love my best friend, and I didn't want to have his death on my head forever. 
So. Oh, you could have just dropped the medieval weapons and did the fisticuffs. It's it like well, it's still like there was a fisticuffs, and then it evolved a weapon. So. You can see why a slightly controversial D&D character would get banned from being talked about at the house. Because <laughs> it just strikes up all kinds of controversy. Honestly, I don't think that's the biggest controversy that it involving D&D in that house. Uh, I just love the fact that y'all were going to settle it with medieval weapons. I mean... Oh, we've got a a closet full of swords. So, so on brand by them too. On top of that, I will say though, fun fun fact: when I read the question, "Whose limit break is better?" I I was like going through while Ariel was answering before she actually answered. I was like, I was actually going through like the the rolodex of Final Fantasy characters because I thought that's what the question was about. But I thought it was weird. (laughs) (laughs) That's what my head was, but uh. So thank you, Ariel, for answering the question accurately, slash correctly, I suppose. Y'all need to learn context. Now y'all got another question, though, because somebody in the chat wants to know why they've never heard the story before. Yeah, that's a good question. Spencer doesn't live here, and we don't get enough opportunities to share it. The scene in the Bard campaign? Because Spencer was in that. Was not in the Bard campaign. He was not you, in the bar. Campaign. You would know that, Ariel. You were in the bar campaign. <laughs> I don't have that great of a memory. Uh, <laughs> I was like, "What do you mean? Was he in the campaign? You were in the campaign." My brain is full of like stalactite facts. Nice. She wasn't paying attention to who was sitting there. Exactly. Fair, her, 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 specifically, her character was like very like, like that anyway, so it actually fits really well. And my character was like an air genasi. He was just like, whatever, man. Like I walked in this like house because I thought, kind of thought the town was abandoned because I assumed my character was high. He seemed pretty high all the time. Um, I was like <laughs> eating food and a little girl walked in and was like, you know, because this town was so poor and stuff, but I thought it was like abandoned. She was like, are you eating all my food? And I was just like, nothing really belongs to anyone, man. And I was like, <laughs> Your character was the only character my character liked because for each person that he encountered, he'd roll a D100, and that's how he was just about to say that. Yep. Yeah. He would read the D100 and how beautiful that person was. And he just happened to like roll insanely high. And I was even higher than he I rolled for myself. Right? I was like, you are the most beautiful person in this world. I will protect you my life. I was like, and, uh, all right, man. That was definitely the lowest role for sure, which fit perfectly. That's how you got murdered. That's why I got that's why I got murdered. Even like care of my corpse very well. I'm just saying. We did because we were like, Miss somebody can bring him back to life. We can undo this. I'm just sitting at the table and not being able to do or say anything, and Eddie's just like <laughs> <laughs> Part for me, uh, once you died, was like everyone was like, "What should we do with the body?" And I gave this like really like <laughs> like ceremonious speech about how we were best friends and like, threw your body <laughs> off the cliff. That was so <laughs> fucking bad. You really to be the lead singer of this band. Goodbye. They won. <laughs> they won, and whoop, off off we go.
but in good. hilarious at the same time. Is there any uh, class or race in D&D that you've avoided that you haven't played? Oh, yeah, for me, Druid. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing, Druid, but now that I've checked that box, I am like super, super into it now. So, something scares me about paladins. Paladins are fucking awesome. Yes, I love they are. But at the same time, I love Druids too. I'm just, um, well, at least in home games, I'm banned from playing them. So, I are there's a story there. Um, my son had gone through a whole lot of trouble to make a campaign where we were facing down this dragon that had like the super speed and it could run through the forest and through the trees and everything and just kind of sideswipe you and deal a lot of damage and be gone. Um, and uh, I had tangled it. Nothing below. There's uh, arrows I had, Yeah, I had all my spells were for controlling the battlefield. So I entangled it and trapped it and they stabbed it to death very quickly. And he was like, fuck it. I give up. You can't play druids anymore, mom. Wow. Okay. Called out. That's wild. That's amazing. I like that image. I just shoved a whole Taco Bell soft taco in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing belongs to anyone, man. My God. Like, see, one of my favorite like not even like stories about just games it's just like the what if scenarios like me and eddie had this is a a a role uh special as well um had this uh i had a speaking of paladins a um dragonborn paladin of bahamut um gold dragonborn and that was very uh super lawful good the teeth and uh Eddie had this, um, I forgot what it was, yeah, Eddie. It's just human. But, uh, human, uh, a artificer. That's right. That's right. And he was a piece of shit and <laughs> he would steal a bunch of stuff. And then I would catch him and like drag him out of places. He was trying to like negotiate his way. And it was like, this super fun, like, you know, it felt like a buddy cop movie. Like, very a buddy cop movie where he, you were the super straight man, and I was like, "All right, let me like show you how to loosen some palms here." Oh, it was the fucking best. And like the fun, the funny, the funny. So we like it was like we played like I think two sessions of that. That it was supposed to be like three or four, maybe longer. I actually don't even know. Um, that was supposed to end up being, but like we didn't play it for very long. But like. Thing is, is like we and as you, you know, you, you never split the party. We definitely split the party. And me and Eddie into this lair, and you know, and we're like level like three or four, maybe four. <laughs> and we, you know, the chair spins around and it's a fucking rakshasa, and we're like, fuck, what are we going to do? No. <laughs> and then we never, and then we never found out. <laughs> Do you ever, uh, when you when you go to create characters, do you ever sit down with one of your friends and say, okay, let's create our characters together with like kind of a common backstory so they go in knowing each other and have this relationship or do you always do it independently? I haven't lately because I'm always the DM now. Do <laughs> <laughs> so, you remember one time, I, I remember Harvey was planning a campaign 
And uh, Jacob, you and I had discussed that we did want to do a a uh, uh, group, or we wanted to come in as uh, just two gay characters who were married to each other, and like yes. we talked it out a little bit, but unfortunately, never kind of like came. True, to I forgot about that, but uh, I did forget about that. And also, yeah, yeah the Greenhorns. Uh, See, I'm gonna have to learn to DM five E now, just so y'all can play those characters. <laughs> Done. <laughs> <laughs> It was it was going to be fun. I do remember. I do remember that now. Um, yeah, like, seen seen in the chat here is uh, him and Evan, another one of our buddies, best buddies, um, are sit in a campaign that another buddy of ours is running. By the name of Jake. and uh, he they are mega evil and awful, and we didn't know that. And now they're assassinating the the king, and we don't know that. And it was like ah, and like we're stuck. We don't know anything about what's going to happen. That how you confused me. You said Sid and Evan. Said Cena and Evan. I heard Cena and Sid. Cena and Evan. Sorry. Cena and Evan. Seven. Evan. Evan. What? Just wanted to say. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, Greenor. I mean, Greenors are amazing. We, Jake and I didn't collaborate on that. He just gave it out for the fact. But I love our our uh, our cohesion in it. That the Greenhorns lore just kind of is expanding. <laughs> One day we'll find your family. <laughs> to put it, it just. Didn't work out the way that I planned in any capacity. This has been a campaign that's been going on for now two years, and like the very beginning of the campaign, part of it was going to be searching for Eddie's character's long lost family. I've had this like quest and like as one of the main story seeds for so long, and it just just never to the forefront. And it's been two years. They've had some hits of it a little bit, some updates of it a little bit, but it just never, ever happened. It's fucking, it's like the most insane thing. I'm just the starting town. <laughs> to be fair, it's very possible that if y'all stayed in Stillman, that y'all would have probably eventually done that. Sure, but y'all were like, fuck Stillman, get out. <laughs> I realized realized that like I, I've now started two campaigns in the Taldori campaign guide out of the Taldori campaign guide and both of the campaigns are like fuck city fuck these quests that you've given me we're leaving and doing other things <laughs> I will admit a lot of it is my fault because I my style at the time was let's sprinkle the seeds and see what falls and so which was you know in hindsight probably not the best decision but you know see what happens well i mean do player characters ever really actually do what you expect them to do no no nope <laughs> and we can go right back to eddie chopping his own hand off <laughs> Sean got i remember so upset with me one time because we, it was a character with mythic campaign and uh she could run straight up walls so and he'd given me boots that gave me a movement speed of like 70 
and I get to this tower that I'm supposed to have to fight my way through and stuff. And instead, I just run up the upside outside of the tower and get to the top. Oh. And he was like, he was like, oh, my God, I didn't think about you doing this. I was like, <laughs> here I am. Hello. I sat once with Daryl. Well, he did the the sperm analysis for the city that he made. Um, OK, I'm assuming everybody was here, but that is. Is social, political, economic, religious, military? I want to say it again because uh, it just seems like I should. Um, so because yeah, I was like, I was like, I was like, Ariel, what the fucking shit are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so it was the sperm analysis, um, and it's just how to make sure a city was was relatively fleshed out, whichever kind of you know, it's a good place to start uh, with everything, and you can flesh it out more with the direct story, and then you're a little bit more covered if the the player characters start going off. You know what I mean? You've got to town is alive you know uh and he built it forever it was like the main city you guys were going to go to eddie was in this one and um then they did it then they were like we shouldn't go there yet um and they decided to go there was like a small town somewhere with nothing in it they was just like this way is just like some small buildings and farms to this way is the big city that's really important that you're supposed to go to so of course they go to the little farms so he's just like making up random like you know 20 person like outcrop little settlements around for them to go through and do nothing in for like a six hour session or something like that. They did not go at all. And he spent like a day and a half the entire day building that city for you guys. <laughs> that's something I had something similar happen where I was talking to scene about this and he was like I don't understand why you didn't expect us to do what we did and like I there was something along those lines I don't even remember specifically what it was but it was very much like uh, I built I, I spent hours and hours and like oh I do know it was <laughs> it was stronghold that I built and had maps of and that Up at ease. You you were saying something. I didn't I didn't hear you. The story you're about to tell is my favorite. Me breaking your game story. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. So <laughs> so uh so oh, there it is. Seven. Yay! Oh, I got it close and stuff. So the audio listeners later have no idea what we're talking about. Switch on. <laughs> Anyway, so I'm I'm like super excited because like I had like I was like I've never like run like a stronghold like thing. I was like so like I was like checking off a couple of bucket list DM, like DMing items, you know, from my perspective, running on the dark arc on um a stronghold like you know, infiltration and escape and whatever the and you know, whatever the you know big you know uh throne room boss battle and like all this other stuff. Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, crap, 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 crap. I dropped my thingy. Okay. Yes, of course, the thing. There you go. <laughs> I like my uh, my headset got unplugged. Um, oh my god! I just had an idea for a character I want to play. Keep talking. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. So, uh, same seven. Uh, and so we, so and I'm like super excited. It's all flushed out. Uh, so many characters and NPCs and families for them to talk to. And uh, but of course, as you know, you do you your players a magic carpet because. Idea and um, what the and like I remembered like um, based that the fortress had like you know, I was like let me give it you know just in case like one little like structural weakness that they could exploit if 
Like they'd have to roll insanely fucking high. And then of course, because of that mistake, well, it's not a mistake. It's fun. So it's not. And it was like, I don't know what you rolled, like a 26 or something stupid. It was stupid high. It was stupid high. And I was just like, it was in that 22. And I was just like, fuck. And I, just, I already, as I knew, because essentially, like, it was a structural weakness because obviously there was a, like, a um, magma cave in and they had just not fixed it. And so they just exported the hell out of that and boom, right, right in the middle of the throne room, skipped everything. They roll initiative, boss battle, whatever the fuck. And I'm like, fucking shit. That'd be really fun. But like, man. <laughs> That's when you take all those characters and everything and you just move them to another place. No, I'm glad you said that because they are in another. And I have done that. Will they ever find them? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I will say I have teased location. One day. Eventually. Eventually. I'm like, you inspired Jacob? Ah, please. I'm as I like stare at the seven in like. As as you get all all up in the seven. um, (laughs) I I would obviously flesh it out more. Essentially, a bard who is more of a um, seabred. a bard who is more of a uh, like news announcer character uh, from the 1920s, I guess, because I have been watching a lot of Korra. Um, so, like for bardic inspiration, like, you know, like, uh, what's like, and Temp goes in there and he gets them, like, <laughs> you know, instead of singing songs, just different announcements and narrating what's happening to us and all of that. I don't know. I feel like it'd be a very fun character. Yeah, like a whole okay. newscaster. Like, yeah, that, that could be really fun. Right. Uh, and I love you. I know you're getting ready to go to the bed. So nighty night. Um, Britt is also correct. That is a, uh, is a Marshall Ray character, as the kids say. Ooh. You can still do it and make your own. Oh, yeah, I will. I have no qualms with that. I'm very (laughs) excited to introduce Jacob to uh, the character we have going for Sunday's brunch campaign. Oh, my God. I'm... gonna be so stupid. So I've never run a very high-level game before, so I was like... Because I was like, because uh, we our current weekly game is on hiatus at this time, and uh, but like we we're all kind of you know missing each other, and so we were like, fuck it, let's do. And also like you know coming out of quarantine, and I think everyone's been kind of tired of you know, not being around you know the same table. So I was like, fuck it, let's go crazy and have a big ass uh, game. And so I was like, what do you guys want to do? And, and it was like. Dungeon crawl, and I was like, "All right." And then scene was like, "Well, what level?" I'm like, "I haven't even got that far." Like, Jesus. <laughs> and so I was like, "You know what? Fuck it. Level 18, abyss. Let's fucking do it." <laughs> I have no idea what I'm going to do, and I'm so excited <laughs> because I, <laughs> I, uh, I started working on it tonight for for Sunday, and I 
doing some research and uh, I'm pretty fucking hype about it. Well, if you need any custom monsters during that, just hit Sean up. That's kind of like his thing. I actually um, have several PDFs. <laughs> so, like, matter. Like, I think uh, we actually did have this. That was actually the, I just realized that was the first conversation we ever had. I think I was on like Maddie's chat yes, channel or something. That's how, that's how we found you is uh, oh my God. When, when Maddie did the fundraiser. Uh, the Stinkapalooza. Stink, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Like, you know, it's funny. I just, you know, what I completely forgot about is I didn't, I never told the story of how, like, I got involved with the blind DD community, um, which might be worth telling it, you know? Yes. Yeah. Tell us. So, um, and I was actually having this conversation with Eddie, you know, back some months ago. And I was getting actually, like, because, you know, we have, and we actually kind of always had an idea that we wanted to put you know, our games online eventually. Um, like, you know, I never found like that, like it just didn't feel like where we were driving. Like it made sense to kind of start, you know, not a new story or, you know, start great over and things like that. So I never really moved from that, but I also wanted to like involved with the online DD community just cause like, I, I know that there are really cool people on the internet. Right. So, um, so I, but and I was just like, you know, like the uh, the, the Daily Show meme, <laughs> let me in, let me in. <laughs> um, and and so I was uh, I was just online and uh, I was on Twitter and uh, Encounter RP was looking for fail for failures, <laughs> looking for failures. Uh, right here, got it. Um, I forgot <laughs> he's got to go because he's got to build that level eighteen character. You got till Sunday, man. Don't don't uh, don't worry about it. It's all good. Um, you know, don't leave yet seven. No. <laughs> so, uh, it's okay. I know you got work. Love you. Um, so I applied and they were like, you got, you got it. And so Tales from the Loop is this really cool, um, like very like eighties kind of sci-fi, like you're a bunch of, of, uh, of kids, um, you know, and, you know, easy, not, not quite hard, but more suspense, very stranger things, essentially like robots. Um, and they're like, yeah, you, all right, you're, you're in. And I'm like, yay. And then about a couple of days goes, goes by and they were like, so we forgot to talk to the gym and like, they'd already filled like the list. And I was like, no, so close yet so far. But they're like, I tell you what, we, we have another idea that we like to run. But dude, this guy named Jackie. Like, all right, who's Jackie? Um, some of you may know uh, at Death by Mage on Twitter. He is insanely awesome, insane person, um, super intelligent, and knows way too much about Dungeons and Dragons. Um, he was talking about doing this like D and D news show, and I was like, okay, that's really cool. Let's do that because um, you know what if I like I got nothing to lose, and like why not? It'll be you know a cool thing. To do no one's doing it, and you know this was before. You know, D D Beyond really started doing it on a regular basis. Like just D and D, bring it on. No, 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 backing up. It was about doing the overall tabletop RPG news, not just D and D. Sorry. So, uh, we meet and we start working on it, and then eventually, um, because he's so busy, he got up doing other things, so it never happened. But um, because I met Jackie, 
um, I started seeing Maddie's stuff on Twitter and uh, followed him. And then he was looking for folks to go on GM chats. And I was like, fucking yeah, like I like talking about D&D and, you know, maybe it would be cool for like, because you, know, you think DM, sometimes you think someone that's been doing it for a long time. And at that time, I'd only been doing it for a year. And so that was a lot of fun. And then, you know, next thing I know, I'm guesting on Soul Bear RPG's Twitch channel. And um, I'll be actually doing some more stuff. Well, I'm actually doing some stuff on Maddie's channel already. Which yeah, you're in the Dragonlance be- campaign, aren't yep. you? Yep, 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 which is so fucking awesome. Uh, that's uh, you know, so that's really, really been a blast. And so, uh, we'll plug stuff later, but, <laughs> but it's, it's wild. So like the reason why I, I think it's important to tell that story alone and that frustration, like it was just a matter of not knowing like where to start. And so, um, uh, you know, Sila Buff meme, just do it. Um, and you know, people on discord, they're really cool because, but because of that, this also is happening. So I'm incredibly grateful. Oh yeah, Maddie is like one of my favorite people in the community. He's he is the bomb. just so full of love for everybody. The sweet man, I just absolutely adore him. And like, I came across Met, uh, Maddie through Mets Girl. Really, Mets is amazing. Because you guys, she she's also re- a queen, <laughs> the yeah. queen. Well, she uh, she started recording with LCP D and D. Right. And we were friends with them, so then we got to meet her, and then followed her to Maddie, <laughs> and it's like the circle just keeps growing and growing and growing. Exactly. So, like, um, and I so and so speaking of circle, keep growing and growing. Like that's why, like, and when y'all asked me, like, I knew pretty right away, like, who I wanted to 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 to, to have on here with me. So, uh, so fuck yeah, Eddie and Ariel, you guys are amazing, and I love you both so much. And now we can try to recruit them into campaigns online. There it is. Um, you guys will see my special skill of flaking all the time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that Shia LaBeouf meme was way too fast. <laughs> <laughs> no, so it's cool, Ariel, because you fucking made it, boo. It's cool. I did today. Under less oh my God, that, circumstances. But <laughs> that, I was going to say, is, like, is there another taco? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I was drinking water. <laughs> but Mike brought me a single taco uh, because he went to like Publix or Aldi or something earlier and definitely got a pub sub. And I came out and I was like, oh, sweet. Like, got pub subs. And he's like, I got me a sub. And then he felt guilty and he ordered me. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a slightly good Mike impression there. Thanks. Pretty good. Well, I have That's any like- tacos, but I got some jalapeno cheddar barbecue sausage if y'all want some. Oh yeah, oh. send that send that over. My email is fanaticgamer1986 <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, but that's what's that's what it's all about. Bringing everybody together. That's the M H O. Oh my god, you cut out at the weirdest time. So I just like, oh, that's H O. Ho, it's back to ho again. Um, I I M H O. So I was saying it's all about bringing. Bringing yeah. the peoples together. Uh, I mean, it's, I'm happy that uh, I'm happy to see the reactions. People uh, care, and the people that you you want to care the most. It turns out they care a lot. Um, I'm happy. Right, you're right. You're right. Because you know, so, it, so I think it's so, it's one of those things that we kind of have like 
almost imposter syndrome like where it's like you know you you they do they they care as much as you do but you're not sure but like it's, but like with, the reality is that they, they they've always have and so like you just kind of like a mental muscle that you have to like get rid of yeah I'm rambling. I, <laughs> oh, you're fine because your microphone's just like shut up, Jacob. Is it just bad? Is it like all bad? No, it's good. It'll be completely clear audio, and then it'll just go like silent. That could be that could be Discord though. Discord sometimes does stuff like that when it has a lot of traffic or something. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Discord. We got too much awesome for your bitch ass. Boom. Blah, blah. <laughs> But the TRPG community as a whole tends to be a really caring group that just seems to take care of people, which is uh, something that I absolutely love. I think that's the thing that, that 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 really blew me away, and that's why I'm really looking forward to like getting like Eddie and and Ariel and Scene and Brit and, and and all these people people that were, were mentioning that people are like those are lots of names. But like, you know, as you can imagine, like these are all people that are really important to us and, and we love dearly that we, that, you know, to involved with, you know, stuff like this and do things like this and really awesome stories and send you know. them all links to the hive and to Maddie's channel. And we'll, we'll, we, we got it. Yeah, I'm not worried. It's only the beginning. It's, it's great. It's stuff. Yeah. I love that this community is so open and accepting and just keeps growing. Yes. Yeah. Right. Cause like it's the, you know, 30 years ago, that was the stigma about it. Like it was only dudes and you weren't allowed in. <laughs> for, the, for the first, like I'd say for the first five years I played, I was usually the only female at the table. And we had a secret phone chain because this was before cell phones. We had to use our home phones and we didn't, we couldn't let our parents know we were playing D&D. That's so fantastic. Secret, yeah. We had a secret phone chain to schedule uh, different sessions and stuff like that. And we, you know, because, you know, we were off worshiping Satan and all that. Of course. Yeah, it, was, it was evil. You are evil. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. But- Fun fact about the Satanic Panic from my perspective, even though it wasn't D&D related, it was Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh related. So, like, you know, my, my parents were a part of that you know, very commonality of, like, yep, the, that's that shit's bad. I was bringing, I brought it up to my dad recently, and I'm like, yeah, like, you realize, like, and not to, like, make fun of him or anything like that, but, it, like, I, I, I tend to reminisce with my family nowadays. And so... Like, remember how like ridiculous that is? And he's like, what do you mean? It, it was satanic. And I'm like, what? You can't you can't believe that right now. You literally can't believe it. And like he kept, I was like, you're not fuck, you're fucking with me, Dad. Can't no. Not after all this time, really? No. Oh. <laughs> my mom was the same way until my middle child got involved, and he's the golden child. He can do nothing wrong. So oh, no. when he started playing TTRPG, she decided they must not be evil. Oh, okay. Yeah. They're still evil. Like, I, I, right? I don't know. She, she thinks he was born with a halo on his head or something. But so then all of a sudden it made a shift and I was no longer worshiping Satan. But, you know, whatever. My mom <laughs> tries to get me to be more evil. She's like, Ariel, like, do drugs, party, rock, 
you know, do. And I like, she's like, let's get a tattoo. I don't know, mom. She was the, the outlaw child. She was the one playing it when it was satanic. So just, I'm just a classic nerd. Yeah. My mom was very much on that bandwagon, but my dad, man, I mean, he used to play D and D and magic back in the day. So he would secretly buy Pokemon cards because I think he, he missed playing Magic so much. He was like, Listen, we'll just play it in secret, just me and you. And that's how I got hooked. Oh, I'm totally to blame for my kids' addictions to games. I I taught them D&D as soon as they were old enough to understand it. Um, and they were you know, board games, video games, the whole nine yards. Josh can tell you what issue of what comic what happened in it's yeah it's I'm to blame for all that the funny thing is is like so Arrow from your perspective you really like if she had said to not do all those things you would absolutely do those things what like because it's one of those at least from because like me growing up it was like do this don't do this don't do this okay cool doing that that and that like right fucking away like oh pokemon's <laughs> band pokemon's band definitely in Yu-Gi-Oh's band definitely in like can't go to that person's house definitely going to that person's house as many times so, <laughs> so maybe your mom your mom needs to to like be like don't 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 do that and so you'll be like all right i'll do that now Sure, maybe i really have not had a lot of experiences but i i with, with her like saying no I'm a very, I don't know, like if I wanted to, when I was younger, the big thing that I would do is I, I used to skip school a lot um, when I was mm. younger. By the time I was in high school, the rules were like, yeah, you don't have to go if your grades are fine. I don't care. Like, are you handling your business? And I'd be like, yeah, actually, like, then, then just like do whatever you want. Just handle your biz, like live your life. Uh, so I actually don't have a lot of experiences of her like not telling me, telling me I can't do something I want to do. So I really don't know. Remember she was joking. Yeah. I feel like your yesterday. mom. I feel like your mom and I would get along great because I, most people do. I was the mom that would call the school and say, "Yeah, my kid is sick. He can't come to school today." And hang up the phone and laugh because the real reason he wasn't there is we had a midnight midnight release of a video game the night before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, was that is amazing. Me, like I had such a strict mom. Like I mean, typical immigrant mom, where it's like. She, my mom had a rule that I had I was allowed one sick day per year. I didn't even have to be sick, but I could only miss one. And if I would do, if I miss any more, no matter what condition I was in, I'd be weeding the yard. So, I remember one time I was not allowed on a bus when I was deadly sick, because I did not want to weed the yard. And I was like, <laughs> they would not let me on the bus. Hmm. Wow. And that happening right now. <laughs> yeah, so wild. Repeating it again. Are you um Eddie, is your office open at the moment or are you working from home? I'm working from home. Are you eager to go back into the office or you love it? No, I I find that I enjoy the comforts of my home towards the uh, more so than the office. My choices of coffee that I like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
the hero of my office. They play the music that I like. Uh, whenever he gets hired, my bed is literally less than a foot away. So that's a plus. I don't have to yeah. wear pants. So that's the best. Yeah. It becomes a problem when you're like, you're like, oh man, I gotta like go somewhere. Why? Yeah. That is the hardest part lately: is getting up and getting out the door. Yeah. Like, I mean, I work from home anyway, so like, it wasn't a, a cool <laughs> transition. But the lack of travel, okay. just typically, like, I got to break it up traveling. So, mm-hmm. the joke that many folks would make is like, "Oh, what city? What city is Jacob in now? I don't even know." <laughs> Like he's in Texas, and then he's in Portugal. That's weird. <laughs> As you can imagine, and ready to get back into traveling, like so crazy AF. And I'm a mega extrovert, which is like it's like the worst case scenario for for staying home all the time. Yeah, I cannot imagine that works for you well. No, like I, I had like at the beginning of the pandemic, I, I legitimately had like a complete meltdown. I was like, I am. Legitimately lost my shit. Really. What can I do? I um still depends. I'm like gonna monitor my situation. I have not been feeling very well today. Um, I will not go. I, I we cannot go to work sick. So sure, for, sure. Um, for sure. Yeah. So we'll I'm see. Right. I might be. So, sidebar. So Eddie, do you want to get? A tattoo of the Jacob and Eddie Beliths with the bah- the Bahamut on top. I feel like we're <laughs> at this point, at this point where like it's almost like when we end the stream, like we have to have some sort of remembrance for it. And so like it's either a T-shirt or a tattoo, and I feel like a T-shirt just isn't enough to celebrate our bond. I feel <laughs> like for a tramp stamp. Uh, I I would totally get a tramp stamp of of Abolith with a, a Bahamut. Up- so, not that I'm against tattoos, because I, I, I've talked about it with Spencer, about me and him getting, like, a tattoo. It was a thing that might have been up on our Japan trip, but, uh, I got, like, the, the Abolists are pretty awesome. I don't know if I'm ready to make that commitment just yet. <laughs> you can just tell him it's very stupid. You're allowed to just say that. Ariel, that would be a lie. <laughs> Well, like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure this, if you sweet talk this tattoo, would they be like tramp stamps? Or would they be like yeah, tramp stamps? Totally. All right. Totally. I'm sure if they're kissing, why are they kissing? If you sweet talk Sean and Maddie, I'm sure we can get it on a T-shirt. I probably would totally. I would totally do that. One and two. It's not. It wouldn't be the first time that uh, and I have. It's fine. <laughs> No, why is Eddie Lith running away from me? Did was the kiss that bad? <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Go back. Sean, Sean unmute for a moment. Sean, I'm speaking to you. Unmute for a moment. Do you have any questions you would like to ask before the stream wraps up? Uh, I had one earlier. Hold on, where? Um, as we're as we're being four year olds, <laughs> well, that's um, that's just normal. Uh, I'm used to that. Was, um, ba- basically, um, do y'all feel like 
uh, y'all have like more or any particular like contradictive situations that you end up in a lot? In regards to, I mean, period, like, because like, uh, a thing for me would be like, I hate my job, but I work it halfway decently well um, because that's how I keep it. And so I do something I hate, but like thing, things that are like self-contradicting in whatever way that you want would like to talk about that. Gotcha. Um, I think that one in particular is one that a lot of people struggle with, right? Like the, the joke um, is uh, to work the job that you hate to support your, your habit. <laughs> hmm. Or to, to, uh, um, obviously, you know, paid to play all day, like we probably try to do it. Um, as long as it paid decently, um, it's from some capacity, I suppose. Um, I think it's actually one thing that comes to mind immediately is something we talked about earlier around like, you know, um, are, are you know having being a using proper voice and you know not sounding you know that I sound things like that to you know in a business sense is still something I'm so glad that the arrow brought it up because I kind of forgot I think I've absolutely completely um skated over it in my mind and like it's something that I think. I want to kind of take a look at and, and really analyze and the fact that like i really need to be you know it's such a muscle memory because i've been doing it for these almost 15 20 like almost 20 years like you know at what point is like well because i'm very much you know kind of good rebel type dude and the fact that like you know accept me or don't you know and never i guess you know, but obviously it's a lot more difficult to do in a business sense so Makes sense. But that's kind of the first thing that. It, I remember earlier I mentioned about um, the working in marketing because, like, I, I have a lot less of torn issues now. Like most of my issues around surrounding like being torn at work now are related to being a woman in an industry that is pretty much entirely guys. Um, and older guys, like I've been there for, I've been at my hospital right now in our department for a year and there's guys who've been there for 35 years. Um, and this, you know, this, the talk around that is, is something else. And I, I stay quiet quite a bit. Um, but otherwise, like when I was, was talking about working with the ARP where I was traveling around and they had just hired a small team of black people to be their only black people for the whole country country. I actually really did not mean to say that business name, my bad. Um, <laughs> but, uh, whoops. Um, but it was right sorry. I'm saying no listening right now. Been, <laughs> I don't know. I've got a lot of friends who who are still working there on their marketing team, and we were doing good things. We were providing education to to people on technology and things like that, and uh, we were doing doing some good things. But it was definitely there was like the conflict there in knowing that like why did you know knowing how odd things were around that lately I had the other night I had a pretty stressful time going into the hospital because I was kind of looking to mentally escape from everything and just work on some equipment for a while you know uh, I had a list of stuff I needed to do just when I got to do it and then of course someone is in the shop and he is like 
he's like, I won't judge you, but you're not one of those ones who's dumb enough to be standing in front of cars, right? And he's like, and there's another guy there uh, who was working for some OR stuff at night. And he's like, like, yeah, that's that's the stupid kind of protesting. And my, my coworker's like, I'll run him down, blah, 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 blah. And I'm kind of like, you know, I could sit here with these two people who are not going to listen to me and explain why, what, like, I'm not being able to wait for the protesters all, you know, over anything or like why their time is more important than the rest of someone's entire life is probably like a problematic thing to think. Um, and I just didn't, I don't know. I'm very outspoken online. I'm very outspoken elsewhere, but at work, I don't know, man. I still have time. That's a, that, that's what's been, that, that's been that affected me at all. Cause like, my old job before my new my before this job I've been in this job for like a year and a half and and um I the last one I had was four and a half and I was very like okay, I think actually Ariel was specifically talking to you about this like I was like not me at all like I didn't care about anybody I didn't want to be friends with anyone I wanted to do do my shit get in and get out now like this new company I'm friends with pretty much everybody I am very vocal like we we had some very uh discussions uh today around diversity and inclusion and uh, i was i'll be vocal about that and i feel you know awesome about that and so like so you know I, I think it also comes back with like you know passion perspective too so now that i'm telling you what to do here but like maybe that's that's okay that you, you that way though at the same time I went through the complete opposite. Like, I've moved departments in my company, and my other department that I came from, like, I love those people. Like, I was very inclusive in everything that was going on with their lives. Like, I had a friend who was doing, like, uh, local theater, and we'd go see him, support him. I had friends who just had just different family events, and they, I just support them. This new team that I bought, like, I just want to clock in and do my job and clock out and be like, bye, everybody. <laughs> what do you think happened? What do you think caused that? Was it just the people? Well, my other group was a, uh, my other department was more, uh, co workers and contemporaries that were more closer to my age. And, uh, while we had a diverse set of interests, they, we, we were just like a little bit closer in wavelengths than we are in, uh, that I am in my current team. My current team, I'm kind of surrounded by uh, elderly women, which, like, I've tried to be like, hey, guys, you want to go out for drinks after work? And they're like, we have families. <laughs> I'm like, I'm <laughs> totally get it. Just kidding. I was just testing you. That's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> some. So, I get it, man. Strong, my dude. Dude, what a great question. <laughs> See, he usually says really neat stuff when we let him talk. We just try not to let him talk too much. Just <laughs> <laughs> fix the spots. <laughs> I'm, as I said at the beginning, I am very awkward. <laughs> You're fine, dude. All great. Um, like the kind of person that is like super awkward until we hit a certain 
breach of subject, and then I don't shut up. Or yeah. or, or create monoliths. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he, starts, he starts doing this thing that in our server is known as Sean Splaining, which is where you say something and it may just be a word or two in chat, and he writes you like a three paragraph explanation on stuff. It's an exaggeration. Because he's one of those. He's one of those people that just collects facts in his brain all the time. And there are things that you would think would be absolutely useless. Well, it turns out in a Discord server where nobody knows how to behave, they're not so useless. Well, they're still pretty useless. The <laughs> <laughs> world needs people like that. <laughs> Very true. Keeps, keeps everybody honest. Uh, yeah, I just try to apply myself where I can be useful and not mess things up. And really, we give him shit all the time, but he is the creative driving force bet- behind the Hive and, and Elder Stream games. It, it, it's him. I just organize shit. So, you know. I mean, he was killing it with all these images. <laughs> I took a screenshot of it just a second ago. Oh, no way. So good. Uh, he I don't loves own graphics and I don't such. own most of these images. But I think it's fair use enough. Yeah. Jackabolith. There's no, there's yeah, there's no Jackabolith. Anybolith. But if I gotta, I gotta, I gotta put it in a campaign somewhere, and then I kind of want them to like come together in some form, and then just say like nothing like belongs to anyone, man. (laughs) And then just say, and then like Bahamut is like their god. there it is. There's there's a seed. I'm gonna write something. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I guess uh, of course we're gonna let Jacob plug all the stuff he's in at the end of this. But to begin with, what is what is the last take? If so, if people are gonna walk away and only remember one thing, you say, what do you want them to know? Listen. You you, you want to go first? I said that's tough. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was ready. <laughs> I was. Yeah. Um, listen, those less fortunate than you, and speak truth. Say what you hear, what you see. Say how you feel. It's important. Or know what it, what it'll do to make someone's day better. People. I was going to say, go out and find a community that you can get behind and support them, and they will support you back and like try to be the change you want to see in the world. Um, same. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> very much the same. Yeah, I mean, listen, ask questions. Um, don't expect too much from everybody right now, including yourself. Um, do everything you can. Push as hard as you can. Um, but don't, don't expect everybody to be able to handle everything perfectly because we're all kind of working our way through this. It's a different situation. It's a new situation. Um, and like Jacob said, talk to them. 
And like Eddie said, be that person. If you, why is no one doing this? If you have a question, why is no one doing this? And you're included in the no one, they probably all have the same reason as you. Um, if you go out and you see things, read the signs, read what they're saying and look it up and, and educate yourself because it's, it's much bigger than right now. Everything happening right now is much bigger than a single person. It's everything we've, we've gone through for the longest time. It's everything we'll continue to go through if nothing happens. If nothing happens, it will still happen. It will continue on the way it has always continued on. Uh, so look into real ways to affect that change. Oh, and one last thing, Black Lives Matter. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right, so now you can plug all your stuff. <laughs> plug, plug. Plug, plug. All right, so um, for those of you that don't know me, I am Jacob um, Duval King, Jacob on Twitter's and Instas. Um, and uh, you can find me currently every other Sunday on Twitch.tv slash so metagames playing uh, Professor Isonov, the uh, white uh, wizard um, of arcane and awesomeness. And she's amazing and super fun and accidentally Professor McGonagall sometimes. Um, and uh, I will also be uh, on the, the other Sundays here pretty soon, the other Sundays that are, you know, available. Um, I will be running a, uh, a brewing game on so Medi. Uh, so many games so stay tuned for announcements on that soon um and at the end of the month uh thread raiders is doing a, another weekend of gaming um i'll be playing and dming in that um that's like the 26th of june i think um that particular weekend so stay tuned to my twitter on that one as well uh and appreciate the the hashtag there um and i think that's it i I typically don't have anything to plug. This is my first time plugging things. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I've, I've been uh, very, very fortunate. Would, would you like us started a, a petition to add an extra day of the week so you have another night for gaming? Uh, yes, because like <laughs> I need it. Um, and uh, I actually will also be, um, oh, I don't know if I can say that yet. I will be um, on another game um, that will be you know, soon. So <laughs> they're exciting times. And and hey. who do all these fine people need to message to get Ariel and Eddie on some games? Oh my god. Um I guess I'm their agent. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they don't have well, first of all, they need to get on Twitter um so that people can talk to them and I'm your uh, that sounds get exhausting. Yeah, well, you know, do it Twitter anyway. has the worst UI in history. This is not <laughs> you're not wrong. Um, but, uh, and also I will make sure that they are in, I think is already in Raiders Discord. So I will make sure to make that happen so that all of you can play games with them. Cause they are fucking awesome. Love them very much. Yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> Make a deception check. <laughs> Jacob and Ariel are a pleasure to play with. So. Oh, buddy. Oh, like I that, feel like you're you're joking because the the tone and the voice made me so sad. Ooh, ooh, yeah, it was no, a downward inflection. No, there wasn't. I'm a- sorry. I know it's hard because I'm not very genuine very often. That was genuine. <laughs> <laughs> the no. the rapper. Wait, say it again. Genuine, the rapper. Rapper. 
Can you wine? Never mind. Anyway, <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. It's late. My br- I'm a mer- morning person, so as the hours dwindle, my brain powers. <laughs> like, That's fine. It happens. Yes, it happens we love you. Here. Thank you, guys. And thank you, yeah, thank you, and thank you, guys, for having us. This was um, amazing. Um, I'm blown away that, that that was four hours long. I'm tired, but it was fucking amazing. Oh, honey, we can sit here and talk all day, every day. You ever bored? Just come into the hive and say, "Come on, Queen, let's get on voice." <laughs> we'll do. Well, thank you guys for having me on. It was a pleasure talking with you guys. Yes, and y'all come back anytime. Seriously, we'll get you hooked up with a game, whatever. I word it with your with your accent. Y'all come back now. You hear? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. And it gets worse the more I talk to my mom because, like, this is me not having a heavy accent. Talk to me after I've spent 15 minutes on the phone with her. It's amazing. <laughs> I love it. Okay, thank you guys. I'm gonna click. Well, I'll probably click out of this first and then click out of here. See ya. Oh, goodness gracious. Just not. Sean, you can stop the recording. <laughs>